BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh my God. I have breaking news for everybody. Uh, Jake Moody, not cut. Steve Wilkes, not fired. What's up? Welcome. I'm Guy. It is Sunday night, 7.01 p.m. Pacific time. The uh, 49ers are accepting the NFC Championship trophy on the stage as I sit here right now, as you sit here right now. If you're watching live, if you are watching live or watching after the fact, awesome. Glad you're here. Appreciate it very much. Hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And, um, boy, we got a uh, big night, big night ahead of us. By the way, uh, coming up on the show, John will join us. Uh, but that's uh, that'll be at a, a, a TBD soon. Soon. Um, I can't believe we just witnessed. Kyle Shanahan looked like he was on the verge of maybe the second worst loss of his career, the only worst being the 28-3 to uh, loss to the um, – Patriots in the Super Bowl as a head coach. It felt like it was about to be the 49ers' worst loss. They had nothing gone. They were D-E-D dead. The Detroit Lions were coming into their house and uh, kicking their ass. And um, and then they became a come-from-behind team. They found their swag somewhere in the Levi Stadium locker room and uh, played an incredible third quarter. And they're going to the Super Bowl to play the Chiefs again. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, before we go any further, I want to tell you that we're sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka. It is a numero uno. Kick back a few on a Saturday night. A little Tito's and ginger beer. That's my personal favorite. Tito's Handmade Vodka. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. You can definitely, um, you can definitely cheers the mug tonight or the cup or whatever you got. Because um, that was one of the most uh, insane games. I know it's easy to be prisoner of the moment right afterwards and say, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. The greatest comeback, the worst loss. I started thinking, like, where will this loss? I got, can't lie. You got to start thinking ahead. Where will this loss rank for the 40 in franchise history? Felt like it'd be at least the worst since the uh, the Harbaugh Giants loss in the second round of the playoffs a 14-win Niners team. This was this had all the pain because it was clearly – I was getting text messages and DMs from people in in the stadium early in the game going, "This is there's a lot of Lions fans here, which I expected because, um, because the Lions tickets last week 
for their game were more expensive than the Niners tickets were for the Packer game, which it doesn't usually happen. So I'm like, all right, that's a sign that that uh, everyone's life savings they've been uh, holding to use for this Lions postseason run. And um, and so they they had they had a they had fans going, they had the run game going, they had the pass game going, they had everything. They had everything going. And uh and you know, just holding Detroit to a field goal at the end of the first half to keep it 24 to seven instead of 28 to seven or 27 to seven, 28 to seven, just that in that moment did not feel that good. Did not feel good enough. I don't know if you felt that way, but I, I definitely felt that way. Like they were talking a lot at the end of the half on TV, Greg Olson, Burkhart, who were really good today. Um, you know, uh, Niners would love to get a stop and get the ball back and double up and all that. And I'm thinking, just, just don't be down 28 to seven. You, the, the lines are on pace for six, almost it, on pace for 60 points. I mean, they're on pace for 50 points at the half. They held them to seven points in the second half. And it was with, you know, two minutes left, whatever, less than two minutes left. So across the board, you had uh, a, a crazy comeback. You had incredible, you're, like the star players for the 49ers, the all pros played like all pros in this game. Christian McCaffrey was excellent. Debo Samuel was excellent. Brandon Ayuk, people have been uh, sending me messages. The Ayuk fluke. Ayuk's post-game interview with Aaron Andrews, if you didn't see it, he said, Aaron asked him about the catch, and he goes, Before, <laughs> in the pregame, a ladybug landed on my shoe. It's good luck. I mean, I, the Ayuk fluke, I guess you, you could call it that. I, I thought they were calling offensive pass interference on Brandon for half a second. I, my heart stopped. And then you... Get the uh, the fumble a couple plays later. Purdy in a comeback. Purdy's third quarter. Purdy's fourth quarter was good, but Purdy's third quarter, after the struggles of the first half, were really excellent. When you go back and and look at the halftime numbers, um, I got so many notes here to to, to get through. But uh, Brock was uh, seven of fifteen for ninety three yards in the first half. Seven of 15, 93 yards in the first half. His third quarter, he was eight of eleven for 126 yards. He came out rolling in the third quarter. They came out rolling in the third quarter. And um, they they say for the second week in a row, they saved themselves from not just losing, but from being embarrassed. So when you're about to be embarrassed, you are about to be uh, – when you're about to be embarrassed, you're rattled. When you're like in a situation like that, right, because – Sometimes it can happen in one play. Sometimes it can happen in many plays. And in football, when you're down 24 to 7 at the half, it's happening in many plays. So you've got plenty of time to either get back in the game or you've got plenty of time to let it unravel more on you. And, uh, you know, the, the problem we've talked about a lot sometimes with the Niners playing from behind is that being down multiple scores, there's only going to be, you know, three, four possessions, four possessions, and they just don't score fast enough. Well, that changed. They did a two comeback wins, back-to-back weeks from the verge of defeat is uh, a hell of a testament to the mental fortitude of the quarterback and of the team. For that defense who looked like they could not catch a cold, or they could not tackle a cold. I went with an off catch a cold. Josh Reynolds was the one that couldn't catch a cold. Oh, he let the Niners off the hook a few times. I think Goff was probably a little better at times than his final numbers because he made a couple of really good throws that that were dropped. But you got to catch some breaks. Um, but then the Niners start, they were getting him off his spot in the second half, and he did affect him some high balls and some incompletions that were critical. 
couldn't stop a nosebleed. Uh, all right, uh, a few super chats here. We got we got our way. To, we're going to weave our way through a long a long night ahead. Uh, I don't know who you are, but if you're not going to war for that kid, Jonah says that you're dead inside. I think that's a uh, that's a uh, Brock Purdy comment. Uh, John, 20 spot with an unbelievable. Thank you, John. Appreciate the support. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Support the channel. Very, uh, very much appreciated. Calvin Hobbs says uh, Dan Campbell left so many points on the board. You know, one of the things that was happening at the end of that game was Greg Olson was talking a lot about that exact thing, right? Going for two fourth downs in field goal range, both times not getting it. This is what Dan Campbell does. Dan Campbell's not, you know, doesn't apologize for playing that way. Uh, these are the, they, they play by the numbers and, and uh, you know, you're going to have to uh, live and die with it. They're going to be aggressive, go down swinging, you know, all that stuff. And, and on one hand, there's a lot of truth to, if you're going to play the percentages and you're going to play a certain style, then you've got to always play it that way. Because A, you send the message to your team when you stop playing it that way in a big spot that you're playing afraid, you're scared. And um, and part of the point of doing it all the time is that you have to do it all the time for the percentages to work. But in this game, it really felt like the thing that Kyle Shanahan said on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday, Kyle was asked on Thursday about his end of half clock management in the Packer game. And he said, well, the analytics, like the numbers are on the side of the way I manage it, right? And I thought he did the right thing, kicking the field goal down by three scores. And he ultimately was proven that he did. But down by 17, he did the you, you didn't want to take the field goal there um, to start the second half, but but it, it was the right thing to do. Moody made it. Credit to Moody, by the way. We're talking about mental fortitude. I, I, uh, I did not feel good when he stepped up to kick that first kick today, and then he missed it. But then he kept... He kept bouncing back. He was drilling kicks, extra points, uh, clutch situations. So I maybe you know they say like some guys when you when you haven't played or it's a big game you need to get hit in the mouth to shake out the cobwebs. Moody, I guess, needs to miss a kick to uh, get himself into the game. You don't love that, but uh, he stepped up big. But anyway, I, you know, part of the story of this game is going to be that that Kyle Shanahan managed the game the way that Kyle Shanahan likes to manage games, and Dan Campbell did it his his way. And they uh, they do it differently, and Kyle Shanahan's team won out. You know, I, I, I if you're going to be down 17 like they were, they need you need mistakes, you need stops. Not not that going forward on fourth downs mistakes there, but Detroit left six points on the board in those situations, and um, it helped the Niners get momentum. Brock Purdy was asked this week about the key to the game and Brock gave what I thought I, I was talking to uh, our buddy, John Dickinson afterwards, Brock Purdy, when he was asked about it Wednesday or Thursday gave a very, I, I it, it did. I don't think it was a, re, it was an answer, but it wasn't a, a real answer. He was just talking his way through trying to find an answer. But one thing he said was, uh, you know, I think the team that has momentum is going to be the one that, that wins the game. You know, you're going to need momentum in this game. And it's one of those like, yeah, okay. He's just, trying to find an answer. But the momentum swings in this game were crazy, and the Lions leaving points on the board were part of the momentum swings in this game. So um, uh, there were just so many little things. And I thought, well, you're going to need a golf interception. Uh, they got a fumble. You're going to need 
you know, you, you you're going to need to to push them back in some big spots or hold them to field goals. Instead, they held them to to fourth down conversion stops. I actually thought at the end of the half, when they kicked the field goal, that felt like a time to me. It was the right play by Dan Campbell. I was a little surprised though. If you're a Niner fan, you know, did you want him to go for go for the fourth down at the end of the half, or did you want to kick the field goal? I think you wanted him to go for the fourth down, try to stop him. Because it felt like being down 17 was going to be the death knell. He took the points, got the 17-point lead, and uh, still didn't win on the game. Matthew from Pink Onion Pizza. You know, the question has to be asked. Matthew uh, uh, has a great, 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 great spot, Pink Onion, in the city. Good pasta. Tiramisu is fantastic. Um, uh, and uh, thank you for the 50 spot, Matt. You, you bought an ad. Matt just bought a quick spot in the show. Good value, I think, on this night. Uh, but the question is: Is there? There's a Jimmy G Pizza at, at Pink Onion. There's a ham pod. We got a, We got a pizza. Matthew made a ham pod pizza there. Uh, uh, sausage, uh, jalapeno, pepperoni. I think it might be all three. Is there a Brock Purdy? Is there a Brock Purdy pizza? Brock Purdy's legs. Oh, you got a Brock Purdy pizza. Okay, I, I, it's time for me to go back to Pink Onion. Actually. I think that's what that tells us. Um, Brock Purdy's legs today, man. Unbelievable. Like 21-yard, 10-yard, 21-yard run. Now, one of them came before he took two sacks. But still, I mean, the 21-yard run, he's got his – the first one, it tears the sock. So he's got his calf hanging out. And then the second one, uh, these are on three different drives. And every time it felt like, you know – He's on the ver- he's about to get sacked. Like it didn't feel like Brock just out there running around making plays for no reason. It felt like Brock out there on the verge of uh of on the verge of getting sacked on multiple occasions and he was able to duck out and make plays. You know, we could go through the second half. Like this is I don't I don't like to do post game show game by game, I mean uh, play by play. But there were so many big moments created by by Purdy's legs maybe it was the the sit down interview he did with uh with Steve Young a couple of weeks ago but um he did a couple dangerous things in the game that worked the first drive of the second half all right so let's just they're down 24 to 7 um it's third down and four Purdy's under duress as I like to say on NFL films he is in trouble rolls left Flips it up, back to the middle of the field. Oh, no, oh, no. Juwan Jennings, one-handed catch. He misses Jennings later on that drive over the middle. It looked like Jennings was open, but they get the field goal. All right. Next drive was the Ayuk drive. That was the second drive of the game, the Ayuk drive. Ayuk made a hell of a play, right? That ball was there to be intercepted. Ayuk makes a hell of a play. The throw on that drive that might get forgotten is the third down throw. Right, the, I don't know. You get you don't get credit on the Ayuk deep ball, fifty-one yarder. Ayuk gets the credit on that one, but his throw on third down and goal at the seven-yard line, McCaffrey had just lost a couple of yards, and he has to again in pressure step up to his left. He threads the needle. It's not a rocket laser, so it, the timing has to be perfect. It's one of those Ayuk makes the catches. Two guys go flying by. Bam! Touchdown. They're within seven. Um, the next drive. So they get the fumble, they get the ball back, they're down seven points. And on second and 11, because they, you know what they did, which I hated at the time, was they did the, the Kittle swing play. 
And the problem with that play today was that it only worked when it was Debo or McCaffrey, but Debo. And the reason it worked when it was Debo was because Debo's a running back in those spots. But it was never really all that open. Like Detroit did swarm around those swing balls, and Debo would take a play that should have been a two-yard loss and make it a seven-yard game. So you throw it to Kittle, where he's not as elusive in those spots. I, I didn't like that play at all at the time. So it's a second and 11. But then Purdy breaks off a big run down to the four-yard line, and then McCaffrey scores. They tie the game. Uh, and then and then the next drive. I mean, it was it was – like three of the four drives, Purdy had a had a huge run. Um, he had a 38-yard, 28-yard throw to Kittle outside the numbers, pocket closing in. They took the lead on that drive. And uh, and then third down and four on the last, the, the go-ahead drive, third and four, and a huge escape, 21 yards. He looked incredible. Then McCaffrey hits him with the big run. I, you know, one thing. For those of you, if you're listening to this after the fact or watching this after the fact, we'll know the answer by now. But Elijah Mitchell being in there on the last game-ending possession was a little bit odd. So, you know, you saw McCaffrey go down on that big run, landed on his head, pointed like, get me off for one. Mitchell comes in, gets the the game-winning drive touchdown, or the game-sealing touchdown, I should say. Um but then McCaffrey was not back on the field for the for the three snaps that put the game away. Again, for the live audience, I'm sure Kyle's going to get asked about that. Uh, for the after-the-fact audience, you probably know the answer to it. But you did notice, like, the way he fell on his head on that, on that run. Luckily, you got two weeks for the Super Bowl to recover, so you got to think Christian will be fine. But I, I did. I, would, uh, I texted John at that moment, like, you don't love handing the ball to Mitchell here who, you know, just – Hasn't carried the ball that much. You just rather give it to Christian when the game is on the line. And the only way you lose the game is if you fumble the football. I was a little, I don't know about you guys. I was a little on edge there. That very last possession because of that, that felt a little dicey. Um, But, uh, but again, you got two weeks, Christian was standing there on the sideline and uh, you know, you got to expect it, that uh, he's okay. Um. How about the defense? Most rushing yards a Shanahan team has ever allowed in the first half. They were breaking them off. I said this week I expected the uh, Lions to be able to run the ball up the middle. They were unstoppable. 49ers couldn't tackle. It was making it very difficult to get after Goff because it honestly it felt like why ever throw the football? Um, why try <laughs> – I don't know. Have you ever seen two flea flickers in the same NFL game? feels like something Texas Tech or West Virginia would do. Uh, two flea flickers in the same game. Both of them looked like they had a shot to work. The second one definitely had a shot to work. Uh, on the first one, Goff just, I guess, didn't get his hands, didn't get a good grip on the ball and uh, chucked it short. And on TV, Greg Olson said they had they had the play, that it was there to be made. Um, I don't know. It looked like Jair Brown recovered pretty well on it, but uh, two flea flickers is is a pretty pretty wild thing. But you know, I think la- like the Packer game, Steve Wilkes made the adjustments. You know, it's in that first half. You're going. I'm watching. Uh, truly, I'm watching the game. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe not though. I you're watching the game thinking 
Steve Wilkes is not coming back this next year if it, if this is how they're going out. If they go out like this, that's it. And then they, just like they did against the Packers last week against Green Bay, the third down and 10 in the red zone, they get the uh, kind of that that pressure on Ga- on uh, on Jordan Love because they they fake the pressure up the A gaps and then Greenlaw and Warner bail and then everybody it's just like a the dam breaks and Jordan Love throws it away and they miss the field goal. Well, today, yeah, Josh Reynolds had a couple key drops, but um, they got pressure on Goff as the game went on and it just created some spots where he was he was inaccurate. Christopher, uh, where this go? Uh, Dan Campbell should be fired. Make Ben Johnson the head coach because those two calls are going to go down as all-time mistakes. Uh, yeah, I think they were all-time mistakes. You know, don't be uh, results-oriented. Don't evaluate based on the results. I know a lot of people say that, and I get it, but it just felt like in that game, they just needed something to kind of break the momentum. Now, his counter will be, the, the Niners were scoring touchdowns. We, we were going to have to keep scoring touchdowns. But, you know, it does kind of feel like uh, – here's the thing. Dan Campbell has done so much more for the Detroit Lions than Nick Sirianni has done for the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? You're like, well, what is Sirianni's value to the Eagles? I'm not sure. What is Dan Campbell's value to the Lions? He has created a, a culture, a toughness, a belief in a very short amount of time. But you are in the spot where here's your quarterback who's playing the best football of his career with Goff, and Ben Johnson gets a lot of the, the credit for it. And, you know, all the indications are that he's about to go be the uh, the Washington football team's head coach, and you're looking for another coordinator. And, you know, the question is, how, how, do, you, how do you help your guy? Because if that guy works, your team's talented, you play in big games. If that guy's good, you're going to lose him too. But I don't think, you know, I did advocate. I did. I did advocate for the Eagles to replace Sirianni uh, with one of their coordinators. I, I am not advocating that for, for Dan Campbell. He's done too much for that, for that team. Uh, you know, he could – most coaches you're going to hire at this point are probably going to – now, he does it more than anybody because he's trying to set a tone for their franchise. It'll be interesting to see if, like, next year Detroit – keeps going for it, the fourth, the level of fourth downs they did. I talked to uh, – I remember I was doing a college football game this year. It was Texas Tech, UCF. Gus Malzahn, the coach at UCF. Joey McGuire, the, the coach at Texas Tech. Joey's a high school football legend in the state of Texas. I three state championships in Texas. Has taken over Texas Tech and has done a really good job. And his first year at Texas Tech, they were, they were going for it on fourth downs like it was nobody's business. His second year at Texas Tech, they dialed it back a little bit, and I, I it was really he was really open. He does a lot of analytics. They do a lot of analytics there, and um, and even though if you're not a college football fan, th- what he told me applies here to the NFL. He said, you know, year one we were really trying to establish with our with our with our program that we were going to be a big aggre- we were going to be an aggressive team. Like you're going to have to come beat us. We weren't going to sit back. We weren't going to punt. We wanted our defense. Uh, our offense, we wanted everybody, our punters, our, we wanted everybody to understand that we were going to be an aggressive team. In year two, we kind of, we had already, you know, we used that first year to instill that in guys. And in year two, we did it a little more by the book. We managed the game a little bit differently. 
you know, I don't know if if um, I don't know if that's what Dan Campbell's going to do. This is not year one for him. It doesn't feel like that's what he's going to do. The reality is, most guys you hire are going to be using you know the same numbers and managing it the same way because that's what their front office is going to want. That's what they're. Well, I don't know in the case of the Lions if that's what their owner is going to want, but that, that's just you know what people are going to do. Now again, Dan's doing it above and beyond, and. Um, I thought both times that he went for it on fourth down, I I thought it was I, in the moment I thought good, <laughs> like this gives the Niners a better a better shot. Now he was picking up, you know, chunks and chunks of yards in the first half. They were when it was all said and done, the Niners actually averaged more yards per play. The Niners were four hundred and thirteen total net yards to the Lions uh, four forty two. I got to go back and look at the. Uh, Halftime box here at halftime. Let's just see real quick what the second half total yardage was. It was 131 to 80. Niners had 131 uh, at the half. So what is that? Like 270, 270 plus in the second half. Pretty good. Um. And 280 and 442 is, what is that, 100, like 140, 160 is what they held the Lions to, about Haberman, you know, Haberman on the fly math is not is not the strongest thing. So, um, But that, it just was a total turnaround. The third quarter to score uh, – to score first a field goal, it felt like, all right, well, they're going to have to grind this thing out. And for a team that always grinds from the front, to grind from the back uh, was pretty significant. Want to take a moment here to tell you to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, appreciate it. Like this video if you're listening to the podcast. I, this may or may not be in the podcast. It may be in the podcast. It probably will be in the podcast. Uh, John's going to join us at, uh, at uh, a point here. I don't have my watch on, but at some point here soon. We have not yet talked really about Brock Purdy's game today. Brock Purdy. I talked about his third quarter, but we didn't really talk about the big picture. Brock Purdy had a, I'd say, multiple signature moments. This was not statistically his best game, but this was the biggest game that he's played in. Without a shadow of a doubt. The biggest game he's played in because it was the NFC Championship game. He got hurt in the NFC Championship game last year. And this game for a half felt like it was going to be painful in a different way um, than the NFC Championship game. You know, it, it just felt like it was going to be last year all over again. But even worse, I don't I, in a different way. I mean, on one hand, it, it's like, well, maybe I would rather have the quarterback get hurt and not have a chance. So at least you have an excuse. There was going to be no excuse for losing this game the way at all, but let alone the way it looked like they were going to lose this game. But for him to come out in that third quarter and uh, be as good as he was, was settling. You know, the one thing that to me stands out above all else for Brock Purdy, and there's a lot of things we could talk about that stand out, but the thing that stands out more than everything else is that in the inevitable moment, in a heavyweight fight, which is what these playoff games are, in the inevitable moments when you're going to get hit, you're going to get rattled, 
Maybe you're going to get picked off. You're going to turn it over. But when the moment arrives for you to be rattled, and, and the moment arrives because it arrives for everybody for the most part, it arrives for Mahomes. It arrived today for Lamar Jackson. How do you respond, right? Lamar, Lamar made, made some pretty impressive response plays today. But Brock Purdy does not go in the tank. Brock Purdy does not fold under the pressure. Brock Purdy uh, saw an avalanche today. And his coach, Kyle Shanahan, saw an avalanche today. And they there was no protect the quarterback, um, you know, uh, uh, handed off to Christian McCaffrey seven straight times, and we'll just get out of here with a win. It's just you you could not do that today. And in those moments, Brock Purdy stepped up and had a signature performance in a legendary game. I mean, this is a franchise that has five Super Bowls. But as somebody – I said this the other day, and I, I got a, uh, a a tweet from somebody today who's like, I'm, I'm – I'm 34 years old, so I don't want to hear about the Super Bowls in the 80s. Like, I don't remember them. The fact is that for a franchise that's built on championships, uh, it's been 30 years of pain and suffering, of heartbreaking losses, of your, your knees getting cut out from underneath you in the biggest games. And this felt like in all those moments – it might have been at the top of the list. It was going to feel like it was very near the top of the list. I don't know where we would have ranked it, but it was going to be up there. And what it turned into was one of the greatest wins, non-Super Bowl, and they've got five of those. So it feels like this is in the next category of some of the greatest wins in franchise history. And then you know what happens, and this is what happened with like the catch, right? That was not a Super Bowl, obviously. That was an NFC Championship game. If the Niners don't go on to win that Super Bowl, then that game does not have three percent of the significance. It just means less. And they won the Super Bowl, and it became it became an iconic NFL moment. And this game becomes, I mean, it's you'd have to put it on the top tier of the greatest wins in franchise history that weren't Super Bowls. If they don't win the Super Bowl, then you can't ultimately put this game up there with like the catch game. But if they do win the Super Bowl, this what you just witnessed on Sunday, January 28th, 2024, is one of the all-time great uh, playoff comebacks and without question, one of the all-time great 49er wins. So uh, Brock Purdy. Purdy was, I mean doing nothing in the first half of this game, right? He looked like he was on his way to an offseason of uh, a lot of shit talking. He was on his way to being discussed as a guy that just may not be able to handle the big game. Like it or not, reality or not, you just – that is where this offseason was heading. Now he's going to the Super Bowl to play Patrick Mahomes, where – the only way, the only possible outcome if you win that game is is legendary status. You return a Super Bowl to a franchise that has been so close so many times. Um and I don't I, I'm I don't know what his best throw today was. I'm looking at my list of some of his best plays and his best throws. I'll tell you what, you know what's in the category we haven't mentioned yet? 
Uh, the Niners are, what's the score of the game at this point? Um, it is, it's tied at 24. Purdy gets flushed, left. He is about to get sacked. Pressure coming off the right side. Defender goes onto his back. Brock ducks under it. Tosses the defender. Rolls left. And uh, hits Kyle hits Kyle Juszczyk for a toe-tap first down. That, you know, I'm trying to think, like, what his best throw was. The touchdown throw to Ayuk. I mentioned that one earlier was on the list. Maybe that's the one. Um. You know he threw a he threw a strike to Debo, but that was earlier in the game. I, his his legs might have been the I think his best plays of the day today. The the play to Juice, I, I've got the play to Juice number one. The Juwan throw was insanity. So yeah, maybe you give him that one because that was just that was pure playmaker mode, which has always been part of the complication when you talk about Purdy is that he looks like a guy that doesn't make that play. Uh, he doesn't try to make those plays a lot. And, you know, typically those guys that don't try to – it's not three times a game Mahomes takes off on a on a run. Three times a game Lamar Jackson takes off on a run. Three times a game Brock does not do that. But he did it multiple times today. And um, when he does it, you go, yeah, I, like you've seen the ingredients there for Purdy to make those plays. But he he doesn't do it every week or every few weeks. So for him to do it in in this game, uh, he's tried the middle of the field throws, and we've seen it work, and we've seen it not work. Um, on this one today, the the Jennings throw only works if it's to Juwan Jennings, and Juwan Jennings has to be one of the I'm always one of the best I'm always ready guys that this franchise has ever had. I, Juwan Jennings is like 65% of his catches go for first downs. It feels like 80% of his catches are bailout plays. Uh, what did Juwan finish with today? Jennings, one catch, eight yards. I mean, it's just I, – I watched uh, today on ESPN. They did a thing with um, – uh, it was Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Randy Moss. And they did a thing that was like uh, uh, pick the um, you know pick the best of the four receive of the of the four teams left, pick the best receiver at any particular thing, and it was like best hands they went with Amon Ross St. Brown, best blocker they went with Juwan Jennings, but I think what's incredible about Juwan is like I, I, he's he's you know what he's like he's kind of like Usechek in that. He doesn't get a lot of shots, but when he does get a shot, he is just ready to make a play. Just always ready. And they've got a lot of guys like that because they have to have a lot of guys like that because they got a lot of good players. Now, if you saw my interview with John Jennings uh, a few weeks ago, you know that his father wanted wanted to name him Benny and his younger or his brother, his older brother, who's 10 years old, said, uh, Said no, we want to name him Juwan. So the joke is that uh, John and uh, uh, Juwan was actually it's third and Benny, 
which I thought was a good joke. I haven't had a chance to, a lot of people gave me that joke. I've been hitting uh, the DM with it a lot today, but um, uh, yeah, man, he's clutch. I, you know, I think the other thing that really stood out today, and this is not breaking news to any of you, but Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, we always call them war daddies, you know, for Debo to be in as much pain as he was and um, to be back for this game. I, it, middle of the week, like Wednesday, you know, he's not practicing. That feels like a pretty serious deal. And um, for him to get back to this level of physicality where, I, you know, I don't know if he got a shot. Did somebody, if somebody heard or it was reported that he got a shot, let me know. But um, whatever it was, he was so ready for this game. I've got to go back and look like where were the defenders every time Debo Samuel got the ball? Because it, I, I have a feeling we go back and look, it's going to be uh, at the beginning of every touch for Debo Samuel. It's going to be Debo in a crowd and then Debo somehow getting six yards where it feels like there should be nothing. Um, Debo and Christian McCaffrey are two of the all-time great creators. They are definitely two of the great creators in the league right now. Um, they're not YouTubers. Maybe IG Livers, definitely Debo. But it's not just like create big plays down the field. It is avoid negative plays and create three yards where there's a negative one yard. Create seven yards where there should be two yards. Create 12 yards where there should be five yards. Uh, one thing we said this week, there's a lot of said a lot of stuff we said this week that uh, – <laughs> really came true. One being, you know, Detroit's ability to run the ball. The other thing was Detroit's inability against a yak team. Like they just were not going to be able to consistently tackle Debo and Christian McCaffrey um, with the first guy. And it showed itself to be true today. I didn't know that they wouldn't be able to consistently tackle uh, Brock Purdy with the first guy, but you you honestly could have had an offense today that was 80% swing passes to Debo and Christian McCaffrey. Get them in space. Get them one-on-one. Maybe they get the block. Maybe they don't. And they're just going to make plays. I mean, Debo, Debo did it on the first uh, – was it the first possession of the game? Um. No, it was, the, it was the second possession of the game where Debo gets a run play. Down 14 to nothing. That was a good drive, too. And it felt like maybe they settled the game down and then and then they had that Purdy interception a couple of plays, a couple um series later. But Debo got the ball, second drive of the game down 14 nothing. And it should have been no game. Like it was that play was going nowhere. And he gets seven yards. Um and then actually Purdy makes his first special. I'd forgotten about this play until I look back at the the notes here. He makes his first special play to Juice where he runs around, use check points, and he finds them up high. Use check goes and makes a, a big catch. And uh, Greg Olson's like, that's a fullback. Oh, no. Olson said that's a fullback on the uh, on the toe tap catch. But he goes and makes a crazy catch. And then uh, it would just became the McCaffrey drive. They did try, They did give it to Juice, the up man on the goal line. But that was a big drive at, at the time and even just for the game, like for them to make that 14-7 to even though ultimately they didn't get the momentum back then, um, they did they did get a touchdown, which they had to have, in a spot where it felt like 
maybe they're reeling. They just missed the Moody field goal. Detroit gets the ball back and is just kicking their ass. Like Detroit, I'm looking at it right now. Detroit had one third down uh, in their first two possessions. And, you know, that second possession for, for Detroit was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 11 plays. So they score on four plays on the first drive. Then they have an 11 play touchdown drive to go up 14 to nothing. And they only have one third down. And, you know, I maybe if they had had a third down, it wouldn't have mattered because the Niners, for a portion of this game, could not get off the field on third and fourth down. Well, third down. At one point, Detroit was like 71% on third down. It's funny. And the Niners couldn't pick one up. And it was like, you know, third and 15s are just, we'll fast in two weeks, we'll worry about some third and 15s with Mahomes because, my God, it was more of the same. And this has been the case. Like these third down and longs, it feels like their efficiency on third and longs is bad. But Detroit picked up a third and eight or, yeah, third and eight, third and nine on a blitz. And um, and then they score the touchdown. You're like, well, this is this is trouble. You you have to have a touchdown here. And they got a couple big just creator play drives. You know, I mean, and this is what makes them hard to not hard, but this is where so much of this stuff with um, Brock kind of comes back to Christian and Debo because you watch it and go, yeah, Christian, you could have done it without him. You couldn't have done it. You could not have done it without Debo Samuel today. Couldn't have done it. You know, the stat I saw, it was like 12 and one. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it, it doesn't make sense that they're 12 and one with Debo, but I know the yard, they're like a yard and a half per play worse, which is a lot. Cause you run like, you know, 65 plays. So do a yard and a half times 65. That's a lot of yards. Um, when Debo's off the field, that was the stat. I know Larry Kruger had it last week, but um, uh yeah, you don't win it without him. So anyway, what I'm getting at is you look at it, you go, well, you know, you don't win it without McCaffrey. You don't win it without Debo. These guys create so many plays. And it's it leaves you just in a situation that's ripe to criticize. Not to criticize, just to question Brock. But then Brock makes a ton of plays. I mean, th- three electric plays with his legs running. I'd say probably three more excellent plays with his legs that he threw the ball on the two to use check and the one to Jennings where he flipped it to him. So, uh, you know, you just, you cannot come out of this game questioning whether or not Brock Purdy is a championship level player for this team. Now you, to, to truly be the championship level player, you have to actually win the championship. But I think Purdy to me right now is in the category. I mean, he's not Shanahan, but kind of like Kyle, you go, yeah, I I've said for a long time, I, I think Kyle's a you know championship coach, but he hasn't done it. And I'd say Purdy is, you know, Purdy's, I've said for all season long, like, yeah, you can win a, ch- this team can win a Super Bowl with this guy, Joe. You know, and this is the perfect, this is the perfect addition. When you play in these big games, we, it's, it becomes who was the MVP, right? The season has an MVP. As a buddy of mine who played in the NFL texted me today, but I was like, God, Lamar, uh, you know, he's missing some throws. I know he made some great plays, but he's not looking great. And and uh, this guy said, well, you know, when when you – to play in the league is to understand how great some of the guys are that aren't MVPs and that don't win Super Bowls. And his point was just like, 
when we get to the postseason, it all becomes about a, it's a black and white answer. Either you won it or you didn't. And he was kind of he was defending Lamar was the point. And, um, you know, obviously that's the case here. But but it, so it it becomes this. Well, you won the MVP. You didn't win the MVP. You won the game. You lost the game. When the reality is there's a million plays that happen there. You know, there's a hundred and if you include special teams, what was there today? Probably 120. Uh, there's probably a hundred and, uh, you know, 30 offensive plays. And then another, I don't know, 20 special teams plays or 25 special teams plays. So there's almost, you know, there's over 150 plays. Any one of those can swing the game, but any seven of them is what it takes to win. And yeah, you don't win without, you don't win without, um, Debo and and Purdy and uh, McCaffrey. Sorry, but you also don't win without Purdy. You know, I mean, Goff. I thought for the most part played well today, but you know, one of the differences in the game, what was all said and done, was the mobility of Brock, and that's just that's not a part of Goff's game. Twenty five of forty one. What did he? You know, it's t- I have a hard time. The eye test on on Jared today, I thought was better than the than the barely 61% completion percentage. Josh Reynolds had two brutal drops for them. Brutal drops. Maven and McCall. Two MVPs, two playoff wins. Uh, yeah, get that 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 10-yard split. Get on the prize picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot tournament season or the fight for playoff home court there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year so get in on the excitement with prize picks america's number one fantasy sports app and you can get it on baseball too i've got some season long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs uh not off not feeling great about shohei less than 38 and a half right now but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's Download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. 
And I sent him the Lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time to top it off the performance package throws in two free gifts boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code ham at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping manscaped.com code ham when things get hairy make sure to call on manscaped in clutch time can i tell you about my friends very very good friends and mainly because i've been using this app for a long time game time They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you Sightline on the app, and uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough, and here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tacovas. Com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear, and it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance, pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. 
it sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Maybe the worst first half I've ever seen. Maybe the best second half I've ever seen. Shane says, uh, so who is Juice's wife making a jacket for for the Super Bowl? I actually know the answer to that, but I I can't share. I I think I correctly, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think I correctly even guessed what we're going to see. Um, all right, let's get a few more Super Chats in here as we continue. Matthew says, uh, the paramedic just resuscitated me. Did we win? I got multiple and sent multiple text messages tonight that said, like, send the medics. Uh, Jonas, it's Niners Chiefs. If the game's on the line, do you think Purdy will make the play? The kid is unbelievable. How do we find that guy? Well, I mean, Greasy liked him. Luck. You know, I mean, uh, the the Dolphins took – who's the guy? The Dolphins took the, the mobile guy uh, – uh, I want to say Spencer Johnson. It's not Spencer Johnson. Uh, Slater. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? The Dolphins took a quarterback in the seventh round. So part of it was you got lucky that Mike McDaniel didn't like the same guy that the Niners liked, right? I mean, you figure they they both like Raheem. Definitely Mike likes Raheem. Uh, oh, God, what is Skyler Thompson. That's the guy's name. You know, part of it, the Dolphins, your former assistant, who in theory likes a lot of the same guys, also took a developmental quarterback in the seventh round, and he didn't take your guy. You know, here's Mahomes now. Mahomes is uh, going to his fourth Super Bowl. Mahomes, as I looked this up earlier today, Mahomes is 14-3 and three in the playoffs. He's got 39 touchdown passes and seven interceptions in those 17 playoff games. And uh, he's thrown for uh, 4,800 yards, 4,802 yards. He's a 67% passer. So Patrick Mahomes has played 17 games, a playoff season. He's played one season worth of playoff games, including the Super Bowls. And he's played like an MVP, right? I mean, he is uh, an a all-time great quarterback in the regular season. But he is an all-time great quarterback in the postseason when it matters most, which is really what makes him an all-time great quarterback. He's got a chance to win his third Super Bowl, which would tie him with Troy Aikman and put him right on Joe Montana's heels um, and Terry Bradshaw's heels. Not yet on Brady's heels, but, I mean, you know, well, you'd be watching him going, or, you know, if he gets his third Super Bowl, I think there we would start it. We would start a dialogue about are we sure Tom Brady's stature as the greatest of all time is secure? Or is there a chance that Mahomes could become the greatest quarterback of all time, even if he doesn't win seven Super Bowls, right? And I saw somebody, I don't remember who it was in my timeline, maybe it was a golf reporter, said like, well, this is the Tiger-Jack Nicholas argument. Like Jack's won more majors, but... Some people would tell you that Tiger's the greatest golfer of all time, maybe the most dominant golfer of all time, which is not exactly the same thing. But but I think we'd be heading towards kind of a Mahomes-Brady conversation if Patrick wins the Super Bowl. 
The flip side of that is, oh, one other note on that, 4,802 yards for Mahomes in 17 playoff games. That is a that if that's a season, it's a top thirty NFL passing season. Basically, Dan Fouts had four thousand eight hundred and two yards, the same number one year, and that's the thirty third most prolific passing season in NFL history. So his playoff season, right? Where in the playoffs you don't get as many layup games as you do in, in a seventeen game regular season, but in his playoffs he's had, I would say, one of the great seasons, right, of all time. Thirty nine touchdowns, seven picks. 67%. So, you know, all that sets up to be on the flip side of it. If you're the 49ers, and this doesn't really matter. Like, no one ever says, yeah, your Super Bowl came against the Bucks, you know, or, I mean, not the Tampa Bay Brady Bucks, but, yeah, your Super Bowl came against the Panthers, so it doesn't count as much. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't really matter who you beat. You just get the, you get the championship, and they're all worth the same. But I mean, you know, from a if you want to talk about like a a, a Purdy perspective, going toe to toe with Mahomes, and it's always going to be this way. It appears with the AFC, so it could be Mahomes, it could have been Lamar, right? There'd be plenty of great storylines if it's Lamar because it's Lamar trying to get his first. But with Patrick, you're going up against a terrifying force who stole your soul last time you were in the Super Bowl, and um, he stole Buffalo's soul last week, and he stole he stole. Baltimore sold today with the help of Steve Spagnolo. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. That defense is really good. Um, and you're not going to get kind of this rematch with the Ravens, which is fine, other than you you played them, you saw them. So was that going to help you? I don't know. Um, but in a weird way, you know, these the, the Andy Reid factor and the Mahomes factor has to overcome the fact that when you watch him, you go, okay, you know, the Niners have – have played teams with more destructive skill guys, Kelsey and Kittle head to head. You know, that's a, that, that's a week's worth of content there. That'll be a lot, the tight end thing, but it's Shanahan with a chance to go, to go get it again against Andy. You lose. And uh, you wonder how you're going to get over the mountain. How are you going to get over the mountaintop? Because it feels like you, even though you're in the other conference, you got to go through them to get there. By the way, Raider guy, is not happy. Raider guy is here to tell you he is not pleased. The Raiders' two greatest rivals playing in the Raider stadium for the Super Bowl. Not happy. Raider guy's pissed. Um, I don't, John and I were debating last week what's worse if you're the Raiders having the Niners practice in your facility or the or the Chiefs practice in your facility. Uh the Chiefs would probably be the one Al Davis would prefer not to have practice in their facility. But um, that is who's going to practice in their facility. The AFC team, the Chiefs, gets the Raiders facility. The 49ers get UNLV's facility. Uh, now, UNLV plays at, um, you know, plays at Allegiant Stadium, but they're going to get they, – they must practice at Sam Boyd Stadium, the old, the old field, which, uh, you know, last I checked has some, I think, some shitty turf on it. I don't know. They have they like to me if the Super Bowl is going to be played on grass, which it is, then there should be you should put grass. Um, like if I were the Niners, I would pay to put grass in Sam Boyd Stadium. If there's not grass in Sam Boyd Stadium, oh, maybe there is grass. No, I think it's turf. Uh, which I like bad turf. Which is something you know I 
I don't know how that works. That'd be a question for this week. But that that's one thing I would say is like if there's not grass in that stadium, we got to put grass in that stadium to practice. Uh, another super chat here, five spot from Jeremiah. Why does it seem like the offense and defense cannot make adjustments on the fly? First half, terrible. After the half, absolutely nails. Started getting out of the uh, – I thought they are going to have to start blitzing golf. In the first half, they blitzed uh, They blitzed him three times on passes. He was two of three against the blitz. But you heard what um, – or maybe you didn't – what Greg Olson said. He was one of six passing against pressure, 11 of 16 passing with no pressure. They, in a couple spots, were able to just confuse Detroit. Um, there was the ball that golf. I think it was the third down play, heaved down the right sideline because they they got confused. And uh, Greg Olson it was Greg Olson was excellent today. And I don't want to always just you know join the choir, but some things are just worth joining the choir about. And I'd say that's one of them. Like he's he was really good today. Explained a lot. There weren't a lot of things that I thought were missed. I mean. I wanted a replay on the um, on the ball that Purdy scrambled left and like threw it up and it looked like it was supposed to go to Kittle, went over his head, and Ayuk came in and dove and didn't catch it. I wanted a replay on that because I I think Brandon had a chance to catch it. Maybe it was in his hands and he and he didn't catch it. But other than that, they they were on they were on top of a lot of stuff. And anyway, one of the things that Greg was pointing out in the second half was the way the Niners did make the adjustment and go to some man coverage. Uh, M. Kevin. Thanks for the five spot uh, based investor. By the way, Elijah Mitchell has never fumbled. It's not that I think Elijah Mitchell is uh, bad with the football. I just, there's no, is there a scenario where Christian McCaffrey's not in the game there unless something's a little off with Christian? I mean, they, they never, you know, the 49ers, Shanahan does not operate like that in any other circumstance, really. The only way McCaffrey comes off the field is if he needs a rest or if he's hurt, ever. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell start getting carries, and you're like, oh, nice, they're mixing it up. Nope, they're not mixing it up. Something's wrong. Uh, Super Chat, Brock's ability to make it extend plays with his legs is very underrated. It was, yeah, I mean, part of the reason it's probably underrated, it's nobody's fault. Part of the reason it's underrated is because uh, he just doesn't do it a ton. He does it a little bit here and there. Today, he did it a lot. Today, he did it. I mean, it felt like we can check his game log here. It felt like Brock did it more than he's ever done it. Five carries for 48 yards. Now, you know, not it's tough because some of these get um, classified as runs when they're not when they're not scrambles or whatever. But when I say five. Where'd that go? Five for 48 was Purdy. Three, you know, th- there's sack yards there. I need his his sack adjusted because he had two 21-yard runs. Um, so I'm, really, I'm probably not going to find that here without the sack numbers so we can go through it. But he had at least 51 yards of runs, but he probably had more than that because he had more than three yards of sacks. Uh but I'm just looking here at his game log this year. Blah, blah, blah. Attempt six for 14 against Green Bay. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Six for 57 in the loss to Cincinnati with a long of 16, five of 19. I mean, it was it was to throw the ball and to run. And when he when he pulled it to run, like he was not hesitating. He was gone. 
and he's switching the ball to the other hand and he's diving head first. You know, it was a big bounce back game for him, a big, a big moment for him. Tim A on the uh, stream says the offensive game plan needs to get Kittle going in the passing game sooner. They forget he's on the roster for long stretches. He's a difference maker. I don't think they forget he's on the roster because of how much he does blocking. And I got to tell you, when when their offense is sputtering, to, my preference is that you get the ball in short area situations to Debo and to and to McCaffrey. Um, you know, for the second week in a row, they played a linebacker group that's not really a coverage group and didn't really get the ball to Kittle. But the the big play they hit to George for twenty one yards, whatever, twenty three yards, twenty eight yards, whatever it was, was a significant play. And I think you know he still has a lot of value in games where he only has two catches because of what he does in the run game. McCaffrey was four and a half yards a carry today. Just how you have to defend him, and he, you, you know, you don't hold him catchless for long. Like five catches combined between him and Ayuk. You know, if I told you before the game. And that's kind of what's funny about this team. I can't give you numbers. I think the only guy whose numbers I can give you are Christian's numbers. And you'll know, was it a bad game or a good game for the 49ers? Like, if I told you Debo, who was 8 for 89 receiving today and uh, 3 for 7 rushing, and, you know, like Debo was far more significant running the football than 7 yards. But if I told you before the game, so what is that? 11 touches uh, for 96 yards. If I told you before the game, Debo would be 8.7 yards per touch, you'd go, oh, hell yeah. Like, that's they're in good shape. Um, but if I told you before the game that Debo was, instead of 11 for 96, was uh, 3 for 33, you know, I don't think that would tell you that they lose the game. Now, now it turned out on this day, it would have been. But there have been games where Debo's three for 33, you know, catching the ball and maybe two for 17 or two for eight running the ball. And just his mere presence really makes things complicated for the defense. McCaffrey's the one guy who I think you can tell me, like, all right, uh, here's his total number of touches and his yardage. And you can kind of know, like, they're in trouble. Um, but, you know, today they – they got a lot of great production out of him. Four for 42 receiving plus the 28-yarder. But anyway, to go back to the point I was going to make on Kittle is, if I told you before the game, Ayuk and George would have five total combined catches, would you know what that meant? I, I don't I don't think you can ever tell whether they're going to win or lose based on you know just like a blind box score on Ayuk and Kittle. Because those two guys are both liable – and they did it today to not fill up a box score, but make, you know, two of the biggest plays in any particular game. And because they give the ball to Christian so much, and because they give the ball to Debo so much, combined touches 24 and 11, so 35 combined touches. I think that's like half of the Niners' plays today. Let's see real quick. The Niners ran uh, 66 plays. Okay. So. Uh, I'm doing a lot of math today. God damn it. And it's not, and it's not good TV, uh, TV 53%. All right. So those two guys had 53% of their touches. If, if you're going to have 
53% of your touches between Debo and Christian. And then we haven't even yet got to um, use check Kittle Jennings, Ayuk four dudes for the other distribution, you know, maybe a, there wasn't one a Ray Ray today, but you know, you, you just, there's not going to be that many touches for all those guys. And then you factor in all the Purdy runs. Honestly, 35 out of the 66 feels low. Um, Mitchell got four, which is not normal, right? Like I think if, if he doesn't fall on his head at the end there, you got four more carries for Christian and then it's 39 of, of, uh, 66 and that's 60% of the 49ers touches for the game. So uh, just, it's just so hard. I think to plot it for Kittle or for Ayuk, Cause you guys know, like you watch them. This is what it looks like with them. No, you don't have to. You, the Niners play so many games when you don't have to look at the box score afterwards to know what happens. You can just watch it. Like some teams you got to kind of look and see. I don't know if there's a team whose box score I need less than the 2023, 2024 49ers. I, I, I mean, I, I'll, I don't think I don't know. I will say I know. I don't think there's ever been a team whose box score is less relevant to me than this team because they, what you see is what happens. And the box score lies about them sometimes. Uh, Jennings one for eight. Yeah. Well, it was one of the plays of the year. <laughs> Now, all of that said, yeah, absolutely. Get the ball to Kittle more. I mean, I mean I'm I'm for it, but comment. I uh, can't wait for Jim Harbaugh to power bomb Reed Mahomes next season. We'll see. I mean, AFC, I, I don't think it really changes anything for the Niners. The AFC is only getting tougher. And it just means whoever's going to come out of the AFC every year is going to kind of feel like a, a, a superhero survivor team. Because you're just going to need to have multiple really good games out of your quarterback if you're going to be in the Super Bowl. So if it's, if it's Lamar, it means he's probably beaten Josh Allen and Mahomes or Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. If it's Justin, it means he's beat, you know, I mean, Burrow. Like whoever's in the Super Bowl is going to have these games where you think, did this is the Super Bowl just getting played in the AFC every year in the way that it felt like for a couple of years in the NFC? Niners Seahawks was just. You know, it felt like it didn't turn out to be the case, but it felt like Niners Seahawks NFC Championship games was the Super Bowl. And, and you know, we'll see. Like, if the Niners lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in two weeks, then a lot of people are going to say, like, the AFC game was the Super Bowl. That was the Super Bowl. And I think for whoever comes out and, you know, now that Herbert's got Harbaugh, I think Herbert's going to be in the Super Bowl in the next three years. That's just what Jim does. Whoever comes out of the AFC every year is going to feel like they're going to feel like they're kind of destined because they're just going to beat these teams. Um, they're just going to beat. They're just going to win these games. They're crazy. Depeche, does the MVP needle move towards Purdy now? No, uh, votes already. I mean, the vote happens before the postseason, so it, it you know Purdy could have thrown for five million yards today, and it wouldn't change the uh, it wouldn't change the um, the MVP outcome. And I don't think it should. I mean, it's fine. The regular the MVP is a regular season award. Christian McCaffrey today has shown his value. I if you were a person like me during the regular season who thought, well, maybe Christian should be the guy, aside from uh, a quarterback putting together the numbers, maybe it should be McCaffrey. 
I don't think you feel any worse about that today than you did two months ago. I don't. As someone who was a McCaffrey for MVP guy, I feel just as strongly about that today. I'll feel just as strongly about that. You know, if you want to win an MVP in the postseason, you do it the year before you want you win the MVP, right? So, like, if Purdy were to, if the Niners were to win the Super Bowl, let's say, and Brock has a really good game, which he can't have a bad game, but if Brock has an excellent game in the Super Bowl, makes a bunch of plays, let's just say he played the game he played today, but more balanced in the Super Bowl, um, and beats Mahomes. Then, then he'll have a shot at winning next year's MVP because then I think people will look at some of the things that maybe they thought were not legitimate or they questioned this year. Like, is that real? Then he rolls back next year, does it again, has won the MVP. People see that, people believe it, and then that's how you you win an MVP in in the you know in the future. Vishal on the stream says, uh, "Let's go Niners, Super Bowl bound." Shout out to Chase Young for stepping up entire D line and O line too in the second half. Yeah, did you guys see the the clip that that went around in the first half of the uh, Jameer Gibbs touchdown, where the Niners the, the touchdown that made it fourteen to nothing, where the Niners tackling was abysmal, terrible tackling, and uh, the clip that went around was uh, if you type in like Chase Young Herculean, you're gonna have to search, you have to Google the word Herculean probably to spell it. I would at least, but the effort on the play was just. Poor, but then he made some plays in the second half that were uh, he made a Jameer Gibbs tackle behind the line of scrimmage in the second half. I, you know, it's it's a concern, uh, Andy. It's a concern for not today probably, but Andy Reid I think is going to have some things cooked up just like Ben Johnson did. It was clear Ben Johnson felt like there were some plays to be made. Like you don't call two, um, you don't call two of those you know, uh, flip back plays to golf. If you don't think you got like, you got a little swag that we can catch these guys with some, with some tricks, the inability to uh, set the edge consistently was not just a first half problem. This is something that's come up for the Niners in other games. It came up last week. And, um, you know, now the flip side of this is the Ravens did not really test the chiefs today in the run game. I think they ran the ball, not counting Lamar, like 11 times uh, with a running back. No, less. Oh, look at this. Gus Edwards, three carries. Flowers, two carries. Hill, three carries. That's eight non-Lamar Jackson carries today in a 17-10 to 10 game. I mean, that's that's pretty criminal for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar had eight carries. That's criminal. The Niners are not going to. You know, they're not going to do that. It looked early in that game, Ravens Chiefs, like, okay, this is going to be a 38 to 34 shootout. It felt like it turned out, it felt a little bit like the the week before game for Kansas City with Buffalo, you know, where that game was 27 24, felt like it could have been 43 40. But if you had looked at the first half, if you looked at the first, if you looked at like the first five minutes of each of these games, you would not have thought that the Lions Niner game would be the 34 31 game. Maybe it would be a 31 nothing game. And the Chiefs game would be the 17 to 10 game. That game felt like it was going to be 34 31. And, um, and like that, the Niners at no point felt like a 17 to 10 game because they weren't going to hold Detroit to 17 points. Uh, super chat here from John. He says, uh, didn't see a single shot on the broadcast of Wilkes in the fourth quarter. What does that guy feel like right now? 
Well, I mean, I, he feels like he's got work to do, but I think he's got to feel pretty good that he held the Detroit Lions to seven points in the second half. You know, and he held them to no points in the second half for what, 28 and a half minutes, 27 and a half minutes, whatever. Yeah, like 28 and a half minutes. So the one thing, you know, Kyle, when you watch him, and we've talked about this a lot, he calls four quarter games. And that means that he's not going for knockout punches in the first half. Right. And, you know, you don't love it, but their defense, I, 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 it's inexplicable to me how that team did not give up more than seven points in the second half and shut out Detroit. Now they got the fumble. And, you know, you knew in the second half you were going to just need some things to go wrong. And when Jameer Gibbs fumbled right after the Niners scored, it was a, it, it was a gift that you did not see. I did not see that gift coming. I thought a, I thought a, uh, I thought a golf interception might happen. And almost did, but I did not see that that fumble with the running back going the wrong way. Another great observation by Olson Rohan. I still can't believe this happened. I'm in a haze. It, it's kind of like the opposite haze last week after Green Bay. The haze was uh, like anger. It's kind of funny. Like even now, some people are clearly upset about uh, the defense. They're going to the Super Bowl, and uh, their defense. It's not like they they did something in the fourth quarter only. They did it. They had to get two quarters of a complete turnaround. And they got two quarters of a complete turnaround. I mean, they scored, what, 27 unanswered points for a team that – and Olsen nailed this too. Man, I keep quoting him, but he said a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, the graphic, the Shanahan graphic, trailing. Now, they were not – uh, you know they they were they were tied going into the fourth quarter this time. They were not trailing going into the fourth quarter this time. But you know it was a game going to the fourth quarter, and uh, the Shanahan trailing stats a fourth quarter stat. But they, you know, they exorcised that demon last week. Here's a comment: Haberman, we are not seeing eye to eye on Olson. I mean, at this point, I you know, to me, what's not to like about Olsen? Yeah, I think you, you're being kind of a contrarian if you if you don't think uh, Greg Olson's doing a good job because he's he is live identifying adjustments, live identifying uh, problems, solutions. I thought he you know he spent a lot of time today talking about the Niners and how to fix it. So, yep, two and thirty one now. When trailing by five or more going to the fourth quarter. Now, last week's a little goofy because they kicked that field goal to start the fourth quarter. But hmm, still. Uh our Stucky says, I don't understand the hate Olsen gets. Does he get hate? I, I didn't I didn't know he got hate. I think the only hate he gets is um I think it's like just people kind of annoyed. Uh here's a question. I wonder how many yards Lamar ran for today. Brock had 50, all of them key. Yeah, Lamar had 54. So, and again, I, you know, the, I got to find the, um, the sack. I don't think that's the sack adjusted per yard because, well, maybe it is because his sacks were nine yards of difference, nine yards negative. So maybe 48 is the sack adjusted, but regardless, it was, I mean, it was, I hate to say this because it's crazy because he's not Steve Young, 
but it was Steve Young esque in in clutch time. Uh, Niners. Here's a comment from Kid Icarus. Niners teams were better when Jimmy was QB because they had to be. He was the only weakness on the team. Purdy's better than him, but the team isn't as good, in my opinion. Well, their defense is, is not as dominant. Uh, their skill guys on offense are better. Their offensive line probably isn't as good. At at worst, it it might actually be a break even. But Brock is better, and you know. Shanahan, despite what happened at the end of the first half last week against Green Bay, he does trust him more. And he was right. I mean, you go back and look. Somebody, I saw the L22 today of uh, the end of that half. And Ayuk, talking about the Green Bay game, and Ayuk was open. Like, And Shanahan said it. We had, a, we had a big play called. We didn't get to it in the progression. But I wasn't, you know, sitting on the ball playing for the field goal. And uh, it's the one thing that, it's the one thing that just can't be denied from the second from the second that Purdy took over. Kyle Shanahan trusted him more. Kyle Shanahan was willing to throw the ball down the field a little more. We still never see the over-the-top deep ball. Today we saw the over-the-top deep ball, and uh, it was, you know, that play was the equivalent. Was that was the Iuke fluke? A, a more lucky play than drafting Brock Purdy with the last pick of the draft? No, I would say no. It was not more lucky. Brock Purdy, kidding Brock Purdy with the last pick of the draft was more lucky. I think part of the reason, a big part of the reason, actually, the Niners don't hit those balls over the top is that they don't. They just don't have receivers that separate down the field, like on go balls. You know, they separate over the middle of the field on these crossers, and they get them open on the sideline, and Brock's able to get into throws on the sideline and really makes a lot of gutsy, confident throws when he throws to the outside. For a guy with his arm, he's about as confident as you can be and as good as you can be throwing to the sidelines because his anticipation is just so good. You know, he anticipated really well in this game. Um, but they don't go over the top. And uh, today they went over the top, and it you know, probably should have been intercepted. And it got deflected back to Ayuk, and he made an incredible play. And I don't think you could have – I don't think Kyle should have challenged that play. But I do think there's a chance that Ayuk scored a touchdown on that play. The defender does touch him as he's kind of going to the ground or as he's going to the ground. I'm not positive that Brandon had possession of the ball yet. And if he doesn't have possession of the ball yet, then it's not the defend. the defender can't – the defender didn't touch him when he was down. I think the ball was just coming into his hand when he got a, when the defender got a finger on him. That said, I during that commercial break because I thought God, I think Kyle, you know, it's first down they don't score, second down they don't score, it's third down they're coming up, and in like if they don't get this, if they don't score a touchdown here, then Kyle Shanahan might have made a mistake not challenging that play. He ends up. Uh, he ends up throwing the touchdown to Ayuk anyway. So during the break, I went back and watched, and I don't know if any of you felt that way. I He's not winning that challenge. Even though I think it's probably 51-49, Ayuk didn't have the ball yet and thus scored a touchdown on that play, he's not going to win that challenge. I guess you could argue at least didn't overthrow him. 
Now, Emmanuel Sanders was open in the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll wait for the L22 to see where was Ayuk when uh, Purdy let that ball go. But at least in, at least he gave him a shot <laughs> to catch the ball after the defend off the defender's face mask. Eric says, here's a question. Did Brandon Ayuk price himself out of the Niners cap space next year with that catch? No. I Brandon Ayuk has to be back on this team. Come hell or high water, Brandon Ayuk is back on this team. We made a uh I remember a video before Chase Young had played a snap for the Niners, or maybe the first game. And it was basically like, is this guy going to take Brandon Ayuk's money? It's harder to get pass rushers than it is receivers. You can draft receivers in the uh, you know late first round. You don't get blue chip pass rushers in the late first round. They're just harder to get. So if you get one, do you keep them? And the answer is he's not a blue chip pass rusher. You know, Greg Olson called him one of the premier pass rushers in the game during the broadcast. You know, that's not true. He's a blue chipper in terms of where he was drafted, but he's not one of the premier pass rushers. And that conversation about Chase Young or Brandon Ayuk is dead and gone. No chance of that. But I don't think there's uh, – Brandon Ayuk cannot be gone. Brandon Ayuk has to be on this team moving forward. Um, I would think it's you know where he wants to be. But, again, it's going to come down to who pays the most money. And um, he's he's got to be back. He has to be back. And and to answer the question, that catch I don't think changes anything. You know, Ayuk's great skill is not 51-yard 50, go balls. Ayuk's great skill is all kinds of other stuff. Uh, you know, I, he'd already established what he was. Somebody said Chase Young might be kind of cheap, though, LOL. Yeah, and even still, I'm not sure you, you're bringing him back. Like, you're trying to upgrade a cheap guy because – what you're trying to find is a, um, a, a, a sometimes it's a depreciated asset or just a low cost asset for Chris Kasarek to squeeze more juice out of, and maybe with an off season and training camp, Chris Kasarek, I guess maybe you might argue, perhaps maybe would squeeze more juice out of Chase Young, but I would not argue that. I think you'd say we just watched him with Kasarek for half a season, not a whole lot more there. So what you'd like to do, even if he's cheap, just come up with a number. Let's say, let's say he, you know, there was some talk that like maybe he takes a one-year deal to try and set up another big deal. Let's just say he's cheap and it's uh, $7 million. Okay. Uh, you are not spending that. But let's just say it's, let's say it's even cheaper. Let's say it's $3 million, which I don't think it will be, but let's say it is. Let's say three $3 million. I think you'd rather find some other guy for $3 million. Um, and try to coach that guy up because at least you know that guy has not played for Chris Kasarek. We're watching this guy play for Chris Kasarek, and he's not a starter. I mean, you wish he had Cleveland Furl back. In an ideal world, Drake Jackson, but you're not going to be, you're just not going to go into the offseason hoping for Drake Jackson, right? Last year, he petered out by the end of the year. And this year, it was about him having the sustainability to play through the playoffs. To play, not even the playoffs, to play through like week 13, 14, 15, 16, and, um, you know, be able to, to rotate in for you in big games, which was not what happened last year. Well, now he's hurt, and then he gets hurt. So you, you cannot wait on him. I don't think you're, you're not waiting on him. I don't think you're, now you're going to develop. You still, Danny Gray and 
Ronnie Bell aren't going anywhere. But at this point, if you got a chance to draft a receiver uh, that you think is going to be your Juwan Jennings replacement, I think you draft that guy and have him jump those other two because I don't think you can afford to wait around and hope that Ronnie Bell turns into the Juwan Jennings replacement. Um, and you're definitely not waiting around for this offseason to go, okay, Drake Jackson, year three. Maybe he does take a jump, but you're not doing anything in terms of offseason planning. You're not taking that into account. He just had he had surgery too. I mean, so there's so much more to take into consideration with Drake Jackson. I know you. No one. I brought him up. You guys didn't. The commenter didn't bring him up, but um, they did spend a lot of money on that defensive line, and uh, Bosa and Armstead and Hargrave. Hargrave early in the second half had a got off the line on a first down. It kind of set the tone for a Detroit drive that uh, resulted in a punt. Hargrave gets off the ball on that particular snap. Like it was crazy. He timed it up. He had the offsides penalty or the uh, uh, neutral zone infraction penalty earlier in the game, but he still tried to make a play. He made a play. He made a play. Uh, Glass City, here's a comment. I disagree with you, guy. Chase has good numbers with Washington before he came over this season. He didn't start because the Niner lo- loyalty program with Cleveland Furl. Chase started for two weeks and he's getting better. All right, we disagree. I don't I don't think he's playing particularly well. I mean, he's going to make some plays cuz he's getting a lot of snaps. But uh we'll we'll watch the tape. We'll watch the tape again. We'll study the tape again. Kinlaw's, you know what? Here Eric says Kinlaw's got to go too. You know, if you've got a defensive tackle and your your run defense is getting gashed, then you're going to look at the defensive tackles first, rightly so. I don't think he's been their biggest problem on the defensive front in the last three weeks. He's rotate. He's given him some depth. I think he's been fine. I think Chase Young has stood out as a guy who I'm not going to say misses more plays, but I think he's been a little more exposed. Um, And, and you know, Michael says Armstead ain't healthy. He may not be. He got that fumble. Give give credit, Tayshawn Gibson. You know, the guy we haven't talked about today is Jair Brown. And um, there was a lot of question. I think maybe it just turns out. I don't know if they made the switch to Jair Brown because of last week or if that was always just kind of their plan. They weren't going to put Jair Brown in coming off the four weeks off and throw him right into a playoff game until he really had enough time to get back up to speed in practice. Logan Ryan, not great. And Jair Brown gets the start and, you know, seemingly played. Logan Ryan did play definitely after Ambry got hurt. Jair Brown was, you know, I think it was probably a little bit more what you expect from a rookie, right? He took a very bad angle on the first touchdown run for the Lions. Uh, got caught up, runs into Am- Ambry, runs into him. He runs into Ambry, pushes like neither one of them can make the tackle on Gibbs. The first touchdown of the game. Go go watch 27 on the first touchdown of the game. And he was in a tough spot. He's coming downhill. Looks like he picks what he thinks is going to be a hole, and Gibbs goes the other way. But it's just from your last line of defense, not what you want. You know, it it felt early in that game. You I think you've you could really feel like the Hufunga absence, you know, what they don't have with Talanoa Hufunga. Um and uh in he, but he did. He also made some plays as the game went along. Like 
on that last drive, it ended up not saving a touchdown because the tight end stepped out of bounds for uh, Detroit. Who was that? Ferkser? Ferkser? Stepped out of bounds at the two. But Jair Brown came over to save a touchdown, and he he would have had Ferkser not stepped out. Like, he was saving that touchdown. On the second flea flicker, the ball that goes kind of through Josh Reynolds' hands, it was a really tough play for Reynolds. But it was Jair Brown who got over there. Ambry's beat on the play. It's the play that Ambry Thomas gets hurt on. And it's Jair Brown that comes over and, you know, kind of gets a bump in, gets there a little early, uh, but is making a play on the ball, so gets away with it. But it's him that gets over there. So I thought it was probably the kind of game you would you would expect from Jair Brown in the sense that, like, here's a young guy. He's not been in this spot before, playing a very good offensive coordinator. He's got to really worry about run support, but also he's got Laporta and he's got St. Brown and he's got Jamison Williams is, you know, any ball going to Josh Reynolds probably should have gone to Jamison Williams today. Although Reynolds had one big catch for a rookie in this spot. I think it's, it's pretty promising. Yeah. I think it's pretty promising. You know, I mean, his, his athleticism matches up the, the Niners, I think, got pretty spoiled with Hufunga and just how well Hufunga plays, how well he anticipates. Hufunga is kind of like the Brock Purdy of safeties. Hufunga plays not with pure speed and athleticism, but he plays with anticipation, understanding, smarts, aggressiveness, and confidence. You know, he he plays a little bit like Brock does. And it's no surprise then that, you know, he was an instant impact guy without kind of what you figure would be Emmy's instant impact kind of blue chip safety skills because he's not as fast as Jair Brown. But like Brock, he just anticipates really well. He has a very good understanding of what's happening. And um, I actually just came up with that one as we were talking. I don't know if I'm the first one to say that, but if I am, um, I'll probably uh, probably repeat that one moving forward because I think that's a I think that's a pretty good comp unless someone wants to talk me out of it. Murray says Demo at corner with Logan Ryan in the slot a better option? I don't think so. Ambry Thomas keeps contact mostly. His ball skills leave something to be desired when the ball's in the air. That's a problem. You know the interception today that he didn't have would have been lucky. He was trailing on the play and he. You know, I, I'm not going to give him an almost interception or say Goff should have thrown a pick on that because he shouldn't have. When the play happened, you're just thinking, well, I mean, if you're going to get the Ayuk ball, the Lions deserve to get that one back. Uh, but I, I don't – I doubt seriously that Logan Ryan in the slot is a better option than D'Amador Lenore in the slot. Do you see what D'Amador Lenore was wearing today when he arrived? Look, sweet outfit. I don't think that's a good option or a better option. It became the option at the end of the game. I'd be surprised if they did that again. Um, you just kind of kind of live with what you got. You're in the Super Bowl. You're in the Super Bowl with this team. And I say this all the time, and I maybe it comes from always watching college football, where at the beginning of any college football season, and then and then like in October, it stays. I watch all these teams, and you're like, all right, who do you like? Who's going to be the top four next year? It'll be who, who are the 12 teams in the playoff? And the answer is, I don't like any of them. I don't like this team. I don't like that team. I think this quarterback stinks. I think, and then it turns out somebody's got to be in the, 
someone's got to win conference championship games. There are no perfect teams. And uh, the same applies to the NFL. I mean, like, look at Kansas City. They, they are imperfect, right? But, and they're not great against the run. They're not as good as Detroit is against the run. Rashi Rice today, 8 for 46. Kelsey was a beast, 11 for 116. But that's about it. I mean, Pacheco, you know, their number two back doesn't really give them anything. Um, Pacheco today was 2.8 yards per carry. Now, that's Baltimore. You know, he he should have more success against the Niners. That's, that's Baltimore's freaky front. And from that standpoint, did the Niners catch a break? No, you don't catch a break getting Mahomes. But I think their offense is better off playing as good as Kansas City's defense is. I think the Niners' offense is better off playing Kansas City's defense than they are playing Baltimore's defense. Baltimore's front is just, I mean, devastating. You know, today Mahomes was, by the way, today Mahomes was 30 of 39 for 241, a touchdown, no picks. You know, the thing with this Kansas City team, especially with Patrick, it just doesn't feel like he's going to throw you. Doesn't he's not gonna throw you the ball? Comment from it, Snoopy. Purdy is not on Mahomes' level. No kidding. I agree. Snoopy Ryan Clark, I think, was the only guy saying uh that anybody was saying that. Maybe some people are saying it, but I, I will di- if anyone has that opinion that they're like both tier one guys together, I will disregard that person's opinion. That's that's not a real legitimate, it's it's not a serious take. I haven't said it in a while, but uh, I have said it a few times this year that one of the best things that, uh, you know, I think gets said in 2023 and 2024 that I, I at least like a lot, even though it's kind of like social media e kind of soft is, um, you know, it, that's unserious. That person's unserious. That opinion's unserious. So much of the Purdy stuff is unserious. Uh, you know, if anybody has the opinion that Purdy and Mahomes are the, are on the same tier, that's unserious. I don't, even want to talk about it because I don't even think it's a real take that anybody has. You know what I say? Eight billion people uh, on this earth, you're going to get every kind of take, but that's not a real one. Ladies and gentlemen. Right on time. We now welcome to the show. <laughs> right on time. John Middlecoff. I would imagine I know what T- you were just talking about. What, what was can I, I was talking can, about? Can I hit on something that I think that's kind of sad that we've lost the, the Purdy, everything with Purdy. Mm-hmm. Was that what you were just talking about? Yeah, you know it. Isn't it kind of crazy that a guy that was the 262nd pick in, in the NFL draft is starting against, I mean, I mean, it's got a chance to be tied with for the greatest. I mean, one of the greatest, I mean, Brady Belichick, Walsh Montana, one of the greatest coach combos ever in the Super Bowl. And everything's going to be nitpicking the guy instead of just being like, what an incredible accomplishment. Like, what an unreal story. right? Is he going to get some $200 million contract? Is he Was he good in the first half? Was he great in the second half? This is like, what a fucking incredible story. Which is, it's not going to be that, but. Well, I think it's more that today than, it, than like last week, right? Like, I do think Brock's performance in this game sets it up to be a lot more of that than it otherwise would have been if he had won a different way, but with, but you're right. I mean, with two weeks to play, there's going to be a lot of like, is he, what happens if Purdy beats Mahomes, 
you know, what does that do for his legacy? You know, like, is this a Purdy legacy game? It's like Purdy doesn't have a legacy yet. I know. Mahomes has a legacy, but Brock doesn't have a legacy. Uh, but you're right. It's I do think it sounds like I mean, you're watching you a roller coaster playoff performer, which is fun, but it's crazy. Uh, give me your. T- I've been talking a lot, John. You've been talking a lot too. But uh, give well, me your I, takes. I'll, I'll give you those two. One thing, like on the two balls that he throws to Ayuk, that he throws uh, just the go, the go ball and like the post ball that Ayuk made the one turned into Rich Sherman on the one and the other one bounced off the guy's head. And he, I think like two plays like that are good examples of all week long. These DBs are constantly running. The Lions DBs are getting smoked. And to me, the Lions coaching staff did a really, really good job. Like, we're going to give you some easy completions. Our guys are fucking bailing. You are not hitting us over the top. I bet a lot of money on IU, Kevin, like 150 yards. I thought he was going to go nuts. Because all year long, I've watched the Lions DBs running after guys. So I was like, and I, how are the 49ers not going to take shots to him? And they tried. I was all Which on they the right ne- guy. Tells you something about the Lions, right? That the Niners I, never do that. I was on the right guy. I knew it. Because I've watched a lot of Lions because I like the Lions as well. And I've enjoyed watching them play. I think the Lions coordinators had a fucking day, bro. Obviously, it switched once Campbell went for the field goal. I mean, Ben Johnson's first half, it felt like every play called worked. I don't even know if Kyle's ever had a half quite like that where it was against a good team. We're like, it, what is going on? Even balls that Jared might have incompleted. You're like, is this guy having the perfect half of football? And defensively, we knew they were good against the run, but their DBs were just like, listen, we'll give you some seven, eight yarders. And hell, those were hard. But like, you are not hitting bombs on us. Everyone thinks we blow and you can throw bombs on us. Not happening. So it was like, God, what? Their, their coordinators were just awesome. And I think on those two passes, for example, like this is why... I don't even want to talk about the other quarterback that's not here, but like other players for Kyle sometimes. Jimmy? Yeah, let's just use him. Because when something works in practice and you play for him long enough, you're like, this is going to work in the game. And so you just like one, two, three, boom. And you just let it rip because that's it's probably worked in practice. Or the play action, you turn around, you let it rip, and the guy's just open. And I think Purdy had a couple of those, I would guess, because it, it's going to work. And it's worked against them all year, and it doesn't. And it was just moments like that happening where it felt like they, the, their coaching staff had adapted or just had made some sweet changes defensively. And offensively, they were clearly on one. And the Niners were just up against the ropes. And then, listen, you, circumstances and situations in life have to determine how you do things, right? Like, you and I can wear this what we do for a living, but we wouldn't wear this to a wedding. Right. I, I wouldn't like you have to have some like you're up two scores. Like the situation of the game has to impact your decision. Like, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. You're up four, 24 to 10. Like I and listen, Kyle talked about at the beginning of the game. He's gonna go for some things and it can go either go two ways. Gets them an extra possession, they score an extra touchdown, or we get the fucking ball. I totally understand that tie game. Even though the second one, where it's 27-24, you're like, our defense is starting to get shredded now. Let's be aggressive. I kind of get that one. Great play call, by the way. Steve Wilkes did a little switcheroo there with Dre Greenlaw, freaked him out. But like Dan Campbell, and listen, I was a 45-yard field goal. If you kick the field goal there, how many possessions are left in the game? Five max, maybe four? You'd be up three scores. That was insanity. You give life. You just give fucking life. I 
Steven Spock, who used to play. Would have been a the, 40, 40. Ball was at the 30, so like a 47-yarder, 48-yarder. So a long yeah. field goal. Yeah. But maybe line if I know. Yeah, and it feels, I don't know, the kicker looked kind of good. But Spock, a couple weeks ago, texted me, or last week, when the played in the NFL for a while for Belichick, you know, Belichick had a rule that you got benched immediately if you put the ball, if, yeah. you, if you extended the ball. Spock also won, won, a, uh, won a Division I um, intramural basketball uh, uh, championship at Fresno State. He's big. Huge. He Last week, Todd Bowles, on that rule of, you know, when you're down 14 points, you go for the two. Yeah, yeah. Right, when, you know, in that five-minute spot. And he couldn't fathom, like, do you understand what that the, the lifelessness it takes out? And the life it gives the other team when you get a stop. And the, I I mean, I bet everyone in this chat, yourself, me, I mean, I was I thought the Niners were fucking getting gonna lose. Not just gonna lose, like they were getting killed. And then that changed immediately when they didn't get it. They score and then obviously they get a fumble, and then all of a sudden you just tie game. But the game completely flipped there. They were driving right down the field, guy. Do you agree with me? Like, do you think the game switched right there? Uh, yeah, I thought it was 20. I go even they had the ball and you're like, Gee, they can't they haven't stopped them all game long. I, I thought I, as someone who wanted the Niners to win, wanted him to go for the fourth down at the end of the half. Cause I thought like, if they just keep getting field goals, Detroit, you're just not going to catch them. Right. They have such a big lead now that if, the, if you, if you as Detroit keep kick, kicking field goals, the Niners are not going to catch at one point, it's like 14 to seven. And you're like, all right, Detroit, you got to keep scoring touchdowns. But then it's 21 to 21 to seven. I thought the only way that the Niners came back in this game is if Detroit like goes for the touchdown at the end of the first half, doesn't get it. Cause if they get to 24, you kick it, you, you score a touchdown 24 to 14, then they kick another field goals, 27 to 14. You're just going to be playing too much catch up the whole game. It was the right move by him. You agreed. It was, I agree. Cause from my, like I'm saying, like I was like, please go for it so they can stop you. Otherwise they're just not going to catch up. Totally agree. And it, you know, the funny thing about this See, game, that, that was a level headed, the situation, this I is, know. The, and it's, this, it's, this is, yes. if, if he went for it week five, like trying to make a statement, I, I would even, okay, you got next week, you're fucking three and one. This is the NFC championship game, NFC championship game. Also when he did it the first time, the Niners had just kicked a field goal, right? So like Niners get, a, they get a drive to start the second half, they kick a field goal, it's 24 to 10. So just get your field, get your points back. Like, the Niners don't score in four plays, right? Just understand who you're playing, too. The Niners are not a four-score, a four-play scoring offense. So just kick. It's going to take them six minutes to get down the field. Well, I thought so they would throw bombs field. to Ayuk. I actually thought against this team they would, but the Detroit wasn't letting them. So I, you know, the I, the one of the funny things out of this game, one of my takeaways from this game, John, was that Kyle defended his second quarter clock management this week. Somebody asked him about it at the end of the first half against the Packers. And one of the things he said was actually like, what I'm doing is what the numbers tell me to do. Like, this is not old school football meathead guy. I'm doing what the analytics tell me to do to try to get the ball, score the field goal, go into the half. You know, he wanted to go into halftime 10 to six against the Packers. Didn't make it. So it's seven to six. This game was Kyle. You know, he didn't get to totally play it that way, but the Niners did not go for a fourth down right now. They weren't really in the position to, but he didn't at the, like, for example, at you know in the first quarter, I'm uh, sorry, in the third quarter, he could have on third and eight tried to pick up five and then gone for it on fourth down, you know, down twenty four to seven. Like we're going to need touchdowns to keep up with them, but he didn't. 
He just took the field goal. Moody hit the field goal. He got within 14, and he played the long game that he always plays. Campbell, on the other hand, didn't really have his feel for these situations. And, you know, you could argue lost in the game. I, it was a. They, they it, are the pole. They, I mean, wouldn't you say they're the polar opposites? Like Dan's obviously the most. Yeah. Extreme, and but I would say Kyle in modern day football is close to the other edge. It, he absolutely he is. You know, Kawakami talked to him this week and said, like, Kyle, you're like an old, you're like an old school coach. You're like, you're like an old coach. And Kyle's like, I am. No, I'm not. But today, Kyle was proved right. Like, I think Kyle's philosophy is part of why, and Dan Campbell's philosophy is why the 49ers won and the Lions lost this game. Yeah, well, Dan Campbell's for sure. I, I, I think there is some middle ground. If Dan played it Kyle's way today, the Lions might win the game. Yes. Assuming his kicker makes the kick. Assuming Badgley makes the kicks. Kicks. But, but I don't think twice. anyone would even be on second guess. If you miss a kick, you miss a kick. Moody, obviously, <laughs> missed another kick. Totally. But uh, I, I think when you go for it, and I hear, well, hit his hands. It was a really hard catch. It's a pressure spot. Guys drop balls all the time, just throughout football. Like, it's just, that's part of the variable of a play. Right. The guy might drop it, because not every ball's like this. Some are the like, defense is out there, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just, the guy was all over him on the inside. That's why Goff had to put it on the other side. And it, it was the Niners were given life because of that. And I'm sorry, guy, that there has to be – if it would have been reversed, like, I, I – I, listen, it's hard for Detroit to be mad. They haven't been here in 30 years. So the Niners fan experience, people that follow this team, their experience is a lot different. They're used to being in this game. But – I, I think it's hard to forgive. Like, can we just use some common sense? It's like, oh, that's just what we do. It's what we do. Well, yeah, I mean, fucking Dale Earnhardt goes 200 miles an hour when he races. He doesn't do that when he's fucking driving to McDonald's. Like, you got to pick your spots. Sometimes. Yeah, but also Dale Earnhardt. Wait, junior or senior? Well, yeah, junior retired too because of concussions. But you know what I meant. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you drive. Mike Landretti or something. I don't do know, you something. drive a little different when you're in the lead versus when you're behind? You know, how big is my lead? Do I have do. a two-lap lead or a one-lap lead or a one-car link lead? You know, like all this stuff comes into play. And Olsen was like defending it. Yeah, you know, this is what they do. This is how they've I, it done it. crazy. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. But it's it, this game changed because I, of it. The Niners were going to lose, guy. They were in major trouble. It John, they were going like to suffer one of the they were getting destroyed. I think the worst defensive performance I've ever seen. Was this going to be worse? No, this wasn't going to be worse than Shanahan's 28 to 3 game, right? That game would, would have been worse. And this is the Super Bowl, and you're up 28 to 3. They never but, had the lead. Never had the lead that game. And this, this game. was more like, well, listen, like they'll, they'll coach up some uh, gap integrity stuff, the run defense. Fred and Greenlaw will make some tackles. You know, they'll cheat a little bit. And it was. It felt worse. It was worse than last week. I think Dubow tweeted it was the third most yards in an NFC championship game at halftime. It's the <laughs> most ever Kyle's given up in the first half. They were getting shredded. And it, it's one thing to get, hey, a couple runs here and there. It's like every play on the ground, on the ground, was working with East, both guys, in, out, edges for days. And Kyle's got to watch that, that film and be aroused, don't you think? It's like, God, I dream of doing that. Seriously, I mean, that's that's that felt like Kyle game plan. I bet Kyle's like, if you told me he got Ben Johnson's number and like text him, like, I, I really enjoy the way you coach football. Because <laughs> Ben Johnson was coaching like Kyle would have. Just ground, don't yep. even, don't need to overthink this. Just keep except, hammering. They can't stop. <laughs> except the flea flickers. 
Yeah. And honestly, I, it's weird. Is there a coach that you can ever remember who's clearly like, this guy's really good? That half the fan base, like every three weeks, wants to strangle at halftime? Uh, Steve Kerr. Yeah, but he's won enough. Like, well, yeah. You know, it's just, they suck. Uh, but even when they're good, people are like, he doesn't use Steph right. Like, championship. Like, too many, not enough pick and rolls, championship. Um, no, I, I'm talking, Kyle, I, and I would even remove, like, I wonder if Steve's a lot of Twitter. I, I think Kyle be. is removed the fan base. The X yes. It just, yes. People on their couch that don't even have a Twitter account, like, Kyle, what the fuck are you doing? Kyle, fire Wilkes at halftime. What are we doing? Hey, t- looked at their buddy. Do you think that if Kyle went to Jed and said, Jed, can we get $24 million one year to give to Belichick? Like, all these conversations were taking place. How do you allow this to happen? What's going on offensively? What is happening? Yeah, why aren't you guys ready? Kyle, how about some – like, was Kyle going to do an introspective? Like, why were my guys not ready for this game? Well, it's not that to me. I don't go. I don't go to Javon Hargrave. I don't go to motivation. I go to they have some fundamental problems right now. I mean, those guys cannot run block in the middle. They they just can't. And their safety run, tackling run block or run stop. Excuse me, run stop. Those guys are getting destroyed. And you sent me the video of of uh, old ninety two's effort on a couple on the. T- He's the a pretty pull. He's a pretty polarizing guy in league circles. I'll tell you, I don't know if a lot of people are high on him. And it's not pretty, right? I now. do. <laughs> I know. He, he's pretty bad. Yeah, it's he's, a it's you know, now now like you you've said this, I've talked about it. There are no perfect teams, right? Like Kansas City this year has had all kinds of they've got they got DB flaws now and some D-line flaws. They used to just have some DB flaws. The Niners, yeah. Yeah, when you got DB flaws in, you, you, when your D-line's kicking ass, you're like, hey, just get home. Just get home. Just keep hunting, boys. Even a couple of the Bosa sacks were like, what just happened? Did the golf <laughs> just give up on that play? Like, It went early. Like, these, these guys got to hunt. These guys got to hunt to about three series in. You're like, where the fuck are these guys? Where are they? Golf had all. And you just look, and the white guy are just, the, the white jerseys were just on them. Right, it was just white, and then you like, is there red anywhere? That you couldn't see it. The, the Lions' offensive line was just five guys like this. You're like, what? I, that I swear to God, every single play felt like that. Goff just, just looked like a palm tree in the desert, just tall and all alone. You know, just like all the time. Five in the white world. jerseys like this, and you're just like, where are the red guys? Goff looks because he's he's wearing like these skinny white. He looks seven feet tall sometimes when they show like full body golf standing in the pocket. Uh, and then they started get, they did start to pressure him in the second half and it started to create some some bad throws but he I thought Jared was pretty damn good today. Well, he, here's pretty clear. I thought he, he was better than his 61% completion percentage. I think if you could combine the two quarterbacks, you yeah. have a big time player. Right? Like Jared Goff is a better true pocket quarterback than Brock Purdy. He's 6'5", it's easier for him to see. Right? Jared Goff cannot move. Purdy turned into Lamar Jackson Jr. in the second half. So if Jared Goff could move, you know, maybe he'd be a you know a fringe top five guy in the league, right? One of his he literally cannot move. Yeah. If Purdy Purdy has to be able to move because if he couldn't, he couldn't play, right? Well, obviously, like he would be not very good. Like his movement is a huge skill that he brings to the table. And I'm just talking about scrambling around, let alone being able to. He busted out some runs today, which to me were just like instinctive. I got to make some fucking plays. We got to make some plays. Kind of felt a little like old school '90s football when there were like less runners, but guys would take off. They would like do the leaps. You know, you just do whatever you could to get a first down. Like he was doing some of that. 
which is why they like him a lot. But then there were – did you hear on the Chiefs broadcast they lead the league in tip balls at the line of scrimmage, their defensive line? That's a No, problem. I didn't hear that. That is a problem. But you don't have to lead the league in order to tip Purdy's ball, so – I, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like that's a, you know, that's something that's. It was pretty evident tonight a couple times. Yeah. Well, Hutch, I, I, one Hutchinson, thing, Hutchinson I, tipped the ball. Hutchinson was in his face when he tipped the ball. It wasn't like Hutchinson was 12 yards back. I mean, he's he in his, his arm face. like this. The ball. Yeah. What? I don't know what Kyle's doing, and that with, ain't changing either. It felt like he did it more, and maybe these plays because he doesn't have a quote unquote true dropback game. Everything is based on the play action. Why don't they kind of get him on the move a little bit more, Brock? Oh, you like sprint right option. It's like don't run that play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Move the pocket. I the know. only time he moves is when the pocket everyone's about to kill him and he takes off one of the ways. They they don't really get him like on the move quick, you know, like an out route or whatever. What was your favorite Purdy play? I was going through like the best Purdy plays today. You've got the Juwan Jennings third down throwback over the middle one handed catch. I think you got it. My pick was the. Almost sacked, dude on his back, gets out from the sack, and then finds use check on the sideline for a tippy toe first down. You also had him scramble around and throw it to use check. Um, that was a good play. That was a good play. The touchdown throw to Ayuk after the uh, Ayuk fluke or good the play. immaculate deflection was an excellent throw. Did you see? Did you hear what I? Did you see Ayuk post game interview? No. Aaron Andrews was like, "Let's talk about the play." Brandon goes. You know, a, a butter, a, a ladybug landed on my shoe pregame, and that's good luck. That's, that, that was, was a man's helmet right in his arms. That, that passed IU. The touchdown was pretty nice. He did have, I mean, a Jimmy Garoppolo moment tonight when he threw the pick, or the, it might not even have been on the pick play when it was going pretty poorly, and Kyle fucking was going nuts with this. I think it was after because he missed two throws. And then, you know, the I, this happens a lot with Brock. You're like, what a what is he doing? And then they show the throw, and it's like, oh, he, he got hit at the line again, which is what happened on the pick. The ball got hit. But still, I think it was after that that Kyle said something to him, was talking to him. There were a couple plays toward the end of the second quarter or in, in the second quarter where Ted Nguyen, who was there, who was tweeting about the game, saying like, Ayuk and, and Debo were open on this play. I, I think oh, when really? he gets out of sorts – he stops seeing things. And then when he's in sorts, he sees everything. There's no middle ground where he just – where it's like not going that great, not going bad, but it's just kind of middle ground. He's either kind of humming like he did in the second half or in the first half you, you felt like it was a little Green Bayish again. You know, there's, you got to find a way just to, I don't know, find a little middle ground against the better teams. It's kind of what the Niners are. I'm trying to find what was what was the play he got crushed on a play from pressure well, on, on, up the, the on middle. On the touchdown, he got his hit. He got sacked. Maybe not a sack, but got rid of the ball. Yeah, there was a play earlier in the game, like middle of the field. I'm trying to find. He got absolutely crushed. He said, "Someone in the chat said Goff would die on our team." It's true. <laughs> you you, you could you could not have a quarterback on this team that couldn't move because they're one one concerning thing. I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves here, but like, can the guards and centers block Chris Jones on this team? I just think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, I I think the best play the Niners have is is short swing ball right now is short swing balls to Debo. I mean, Debo and McCaffrey today were excellent creators. You know, Debo, you don't win this game without Debo Samuel. That much is this. I thought you could beat you could win this game without Debo this week. After watching the game, I they could not have won this game without Debo. He takes two yard 
two yard negative swing balls where it's just like Ayuk's the only guy out there blocking for him well, and turns him into seven tackles. yards. It's just yeah. crazy. You know, it, it's right. Kittle, it's, Kittle break. Kittle can break tackles. I mean, they Kittle can too, but don't I, you know the swing ball to Kittle where it's like yeah, you, was, you really need the tunnel set up on those with Debo. The thing could be the the, the play can be a complete. Yeah. What's the what's the phrase they use in the military? Like a a a a, a fogo or a a, a uh, foobar. Yeah, fucked up beyond recognition. Recognition. Yeah, it could be a complete foobar, and. Yeah. uh Watching Masters of Air, by the way, on Apple Plus. Good little show. World War, II, World, World War II pilots. The guy that played Elvis. Uh, yeah, good show. Apple Plus, underrated little uh, streaming service. Yeah, what you got going on Apple Plus these days? Uh, Slow I Horses watched, is is uh, MI5 show. Not bad. I watched The Chick That Cooks. You see that show? Lessons in Chemistry, good show. Yeah, that's a good one. I watched Killers of Flower Moon on Apple Plus. It just got to give me a lot of options, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know yeah, what's man, crazy about the sport of football, mm. you know, in a team sport, is like your team. You know, the Chiefs have made it to the Super Bowl what four times in five years. Yeah, but I'd say their team's been dramatically different over the last couple of years than it was when the Niners faced them, right? And while the Niners have only made the second Super Bowl in that stretch. Their team feels dramatically, even though they have a lot of the same players, feels way different this group than the last group. Like in terms of strengths, weaknesses, what's going well, what's not going well. Like that, that you're like, that defensive line is gonna hunt. Right. But you're like offensively, like, how do you, receivers, what's going on here? You just, you know, it, it, people barely knew who Debo Samuel was. It just shows you, and this is where I do give Kyle credit of like getting belief in the group. It's why I support Purdy even through the bad times. And I, you know, the first half was pretty ugly, I thought. Uh, is like if the team really believes in them, and I'm not talking like the quote unquote team, I'm talking like the star players, like Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Fred Warren, like they'll keep playing hard for them. Then, like, yeah, I'm going to roll with them, right? Even at times, like I see things that are like, you think it's all, you think they support him in a, in a more real way than like Jimmy? I mean, they supported Trey publicly. You think? These yeah, because I think they think more? he's better. Yeah. You know, I, I think they obviously the, their team has been much better with him, and it's why you allow when I have more belief in you, you can allow for some bumpier times, which tonight was in full blow. Now, you know, it was it all his fault? Of course. I mean, the defense was getting shredded, but then it also puts added pressure on the offense, and the offense felt really tight. It just felt like a double whammy. It's like, well, the offense. It's hard when you're watching – this happens in the regular season a lot, college or pro, like the team you're rooting for, especially when you gamble. You're like, it's impossible for them to get four yards. And when the other team is on the field, they get a first down, I swear to God, on every first down. It's like they, they, they don't even have to get to second down. There is no second. They already have another first down. They, they were they were getting third downs with ease. And then the 49ers like third oh. and eight. It's like, ah, fuck, how are they going to get They're it? They're getting third and 15s, third and 12s. It's just it's crazy the opposite of the two in terms of what you feel when you're watching a game of one's really easy. It's like, is this team sweating? And the 49ers to get a first down had to be perfect on three straight plays. And bear and then Christian would be like, like right over the first down mark. Right. Or Purdy would leap or like Debo would have to break seven tackles. You're like, this is not a sustainable model. No, it's it not. was not. It was not. <laughs> it, it, it felt if the night if it would have been flipped, 
if the Niners were playing as well as the Lions and the Lions were playing as shitty as the Niners, the Niners would have won that 50 to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or it like felt the, like an Niner game. Each team, they, they would have killed them. It felt like but a 49ers game in the first it, half. They would have killed Just, them. I mean, it was, but. Would have destroyed them. Especially like it's already kind of on edge and then Moody missed the kick. And then for that second half, and the second half is even the wrong way to say it. Like the last, right, half of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter for it to flip. And it all flipped on the, on the missed field goal. And then Purdy running around. That was that was a huge difference tonight than obviously the last time, right? The last yeah, I, I mean, you know, in a game like this, so many things happen that you can't say a single thing. But, you know, the Niners have had some pretty legendary quarterback runs in their history. Alex Smith and Steve Young have had two of the great probably runs in NFL history, right? Quarterback runs. Neither one of Purdy, none of Purdy's runs today were touchdowns. But, you know, what comes next kind of, I think, helps frame what this game was. And if they go win the Super Bowl, then obviously that game is huge and this game isn't as big. Um, but I do think this game will live on as kind of like the one that got them to the next level. This franchise, for all the winning that a lot of people have seen, it's been three decades of a lot of, terrible losing right like that's really what we like the franchise loves to look five super bowls and all that stuff and here comes steve and us steve made it out today by the way maybe the nfl paid steve to come out today him and barry did you see steve i sent you a picture steve steve not steve joe montana sorry i keep saying steve yeah well he was um, the, well he was the honorary captain with barry honorary steve. captain he was out there on the stage to like get the trophy but um you know it it's it's their this is their catch game if they go on to win the super bowl Right, that game was the one. It was an NFC Championship game that led to a Super Bowl and started a dynasty. Whether or not this one starts a <laughs> dynasty, that's a little bit much. But like this is a this becomes a really legendary. It's one of their greatest non Super yeah. Bowl wins in the franchise's history. Well, they scored twenty seven unanswered in the second half, right? I know the yeah. Lions scored a late down by seventeen. Yeah, yeah, they, they scored twenty seven unanswered, which. They, they they weren't in trouble. They were in major trouble on life support. And I would imagine everyone watching the game thought they were going to lose. Like no one. Th- it, it's one thing like, hey, listen, it's a little weird start. It was like, this is an ass kicking. Because this team, you've seen enough of that flipped. You have no history of them winning that game. But I, I mean, you've seen enough. Like you're used to the team, like the Niners over with Kyle when they're beating a team like that. You're like, they never lose this game. They don't. I mean, it just gets worse, right? And when you can't tackle anybody, and it, the other thing is, anyone that was watching this game that has kind of followed the Lions, it wasn't like God. Who are these running backs? Like these two, those two running backs are good. The the young guy can fly. He obviously made a huge mistake later in the. It wasn't even. I mean, is it a, to me fumble? Like is fumble a mistake? It's like he just get fucking. Ripped well, the out. mistake was going the, like not knowing the play. He he went the wrong way. That's what Olson said. Yeah, and that's think about today. Two of the biggest fumbles of the day, two rookies. I mean, the Niners are just the Niners scrap rookies beside the kicker that they ride. But you know, they it's it, there are not many random players out there for the 49ers. And even Jair Brown, who is young and out there, he is surrounded by a ton of veteran players. <clears throat> I mean, the this Lions team was their first touchdown, second year guy, Jameson Williams, right? Gibbs touchdown. Porta making plays. I mean, they're, they're very dependent. Hutchinson, second year guy. They're very dependent. Like, they're core guys. What's the average age of that group? Like, 23 years old? What's the average age of the Niner guys? Feels like 30. I think they're the oldest, the oldest in the league or the oldest in the playoffs or something. The Niners? 
I said it out loud now. It doesn't sound right, but I feel like I heard something along those lines. But if you just think about it, Debo's 28, Kittle's 30, you know, Trent's 35, 36, Juszczyk's 32, uh, Fred's 28, right? I mean, a lot of their guys are just older. Charvarius has now been in the league. Charvarius hasn't lost often. Do you know that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's in Mahal- he was in Mahomes' draft class. Or his rookie year might have been Mahomes' first year starting. So he's just... That was a sixth straight championship game. And this is his third Super Bowl. He's he's on a, he's having a pretty good like he doesn't even can't even relate to like and almost was in the Super Bowl league. last year. <laughs> yeah. Did you see you think it would have been worse? Was last year worse, or is it worse getting your ass kicked? Because we were talking about that at halftime. Yeah, I think um I think this would have been worse. Now I, I'm trying. I was trying to remember, like, how did I feel after that game last year? It felt pretty. It was pretty terrible feeling. But what would have made this one worse is that you had that last year happened, and you made it all the way back to avenge last year, and then you, you know, it'd be one thing to to come all the way back and lose thirty-one thirty in a shootout or something, but then you come back all the way back, and you get beat. Like you get your ass kicked at home by the D- Detroit Lions. I, I think that's the I think that's like the icing on the cake. It'd be one thing like, hey, the Cowboys had been rolling, the Eagles, like a, a huge like a team that people thought. Even the pa- it's like the fucking Green Bay Packers found this Jordan Love guy. The Lions, you're gonna be in a historic moment for this franchise forever. The Lions kicked your ass. There was that. There was a touchdown. They go up like Barry Sanders. There, he's like giving a fist pound to the guy sitting next to him. It's like this is really happening here. That guy retired at 30 because he hated the team so bad. Quit at 30. The two best players in the history of the franchise quit at 30 years old. Both of them five years in the Hall of Fame. No one even asked questions. Probably their third best player ever, Stafford, gets traded, immediately wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> You're going to lose. Now, this team, in fairness, is like they're a legitimate team. Like, how many of their guys would the Niners fucking sell their left nut for? I mean, what would the Niners do for Hutchinson or, or Gibbs? I mean, they, they would love a lot of their players. Jameis Williams. Them. Yeah, all their guys. I mean, they, say Brett, they got their tackles. Put, yeah, Sewell. I mean, gee, that guy. When God, they started, when Ben Johnson started just running Sewell in routes, I'm like, oh my God, this is bad. Right? Like, it just felt like they, it felt like a college game where it's like, oh shit, let's give our. Uh, they our do fives. that a lot. They do I know, I know they do, but they're just so comfortable doing outside the box stuff that it makes you, it made me uncomfortable how comfortable they were with. Like they're gonna start dancing on the grave is what it felt like because that's when when Panay Sewell catches like a first down catch, now it really breaks your back. You're like, oh my god, they are do they are. That's what it feels like when you know Oregon's running it up on some FCS team. Dan Lanning. It was wild. It's one of the it was one of the most crazy. The older you get, you realize. I bet by the time you're like 30 years old, most humans, if you're a big sports fan, you've seen basically depending on what sports you follow, every iteration of something, right? Last second shot, missed field goal, hole in one, you name it. Yeah, yeah. a favorite, a, a team that can't lose, lose. Team Grand can't slam, win, win. whatever. You've seen, you've seen most things. It is, and this is why, obviously, football is king. It is still so shocking. Like, we've seen teams get their ass kicked in these big games. Hell, the Niners just had one of the craziest moments in NFL history last year when they were – Christian McCaffrey was their quarterback. We saw that last year. And you're watching this, and whoever you're watching, you're like, this this really can't be. This is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. 
and you get to the point where like, I, I can't believe I'm saying they're going to lose. You just, you don't win this game. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, he's going for on fourth down. But even then you're like, okay, you got to score here. Then you score. Like, oh shit. And then the all of a sudden of- a fumble happens and you're like, holy shit. Part of it is he, he's going for it on fourth down. Oh shit. They're going to go up 28. You know, you know what I mean? They, if they get this, it, the game might be over. Right. Like the Ravens today. How many times? Th- the Ravens' last eight possessions, Romo was like, "This is the game here, Jim." <laughs> you what know, was, but then, what was the, they kept what was the final stopped. score of that game? Seventeen to ten. Felt like it was going to be forty-eight, forty-four, didn't it? On those first two drives, I'm like, I'm about to watch a legendary, like, duel between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson here today. First ten minutes was pretty incredible. It was. I got a lot of texts like, "Doesn't get any better than this." I'm like, "I no. know." <laughs> <laughs> I know. And yeah, yeah, it does actually. Yeah, somebody had a good somebody had a good comment here, John. I I, uh, I can't find it, but it was basically like this: the Niner the Niner game felt like uh like you like the world's the multiverse split or something. You know, like the first half was like one world, and then somehow you got into the second half, and it was you were in a whole another dimension. It it did feel like that. I I I just can't get over. Uh, here's why I do Lamar's triple that. coverage throw was pretty terrible. That that was doesn't get any worse than that. I'll, I'll never understand this this analytical movement because that's ultimately what's behind. And, and every time I want to yell at Kyle for kind of doing the opposite, even when you're like, kind oh, of pressure, go for it here. There is something in in a game like things do get weird, and that they just can. And in a moment, like this is what we do. I I would argue if your motto is like this is just what we do, one hundred percent of the time, no matter what, is just like one of the dumbest mindsets ever i i just i can't what belichick's whole thing was like yeah we'll do whatever we have to do this week we got to go for him every fourth down because we're playing the greatest offense ever or like we got to change our complete defense like isn't that like i just got to do whatever i got to do to win this game like you're, you're not playing yeah. the entire analytical movement here you're, you're not playing the entire season you're just you got to win this game and i think the 49ers every that's the great part about that moment is every fan's going to be talking like i can't believe if you're not like Every fucking person would be like, what an idiot. What was he doing? It was insane. Because everyone, every fan's on the ropes. Like, this is how the season's going to end? And Dan just gave you life. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I just made me think, like, what we do. Like, I had a very, we had, I, bedtime was bedtime when I was a kid. But you know what? Like, there's a big game on. We're going to make an adjustment tonight on bedtime. Or if it's the Super Bowl, my parents, when we lived in Turkey, Super Bowl would come on at like 3 a.m. My parents would let me get up in the middle of the night, get whatever kind of chips, whatever kind of soda. Like I ate like it was just we made an exception that night, John. It was the Super Bowl. So I ate Pringles and had sun-kissed soda, as many as I wanted. And I went to school the next day and it was fine, right? Like let's make some exceptions. Now, look, if you think it through and then go, okay, we are still going to go for it here, fine. But I agree with you. Doing this is what we do is because that's what the percent right because that's part of the percentages is like if you if you don't do it all the time then then you're kind of killing the percentages not that I want to do a kill analytics thing but yeah well, it's I not just, analytics it's like they, they support him because they go the decision was right it's bullshit it's just it, it can't be and it, it's it's unfathomable i think to a lot of older people in the sport college pro whatever in that spot in that situation you can be a really tough guy 
if fucking Chuck Liddell and Chad Mendez and Conor McGregor walk into the bar and start in trouble, like I'd, I'd probably walk away. <laughs> like you, you might not win that one, right? And so it's like I, I'm all for I, I support a lot of times when he goes for it. But think about the game, the Cowboy game, when the refs screwed up. You know that situation with uh, his tackles. Mm-hmm. He was going to go for it on first. You know, two point conversion, the two yard liner. Is it the two and a half in the NFL? Wherever it is, right? It was yeah. Small. Teams do it. Then he gets a five-yard penalty, and he still goes for it. He can tie the game or go for it on first and seven on the two-pointer. To me, logic would be like, Dan, the seven-yard one spot in the red zone is a pretty – it's crazy. Just tie the game. It was like, that's just what he does. Like, listen, did he get fucked? Did the refs call the wrong thing? Did it – even though I'm pretty sure – if even if the refs had called it correctly, the tackle on the left side was uncovered. So technically, it was supposed to be a procedural penalty. But regardless, oh, but they missed it. You, yeah, once you get the five yard penalty for whatever I forget the exact penalty they called in the Lions. Oh, offensive, you know, lineman downfield. <laughs> but you, you kick the field goal at the seven. It's not the same. How does the mind not change? Right, the Eagles they kick a lot of field goals on extra points. But if you get a penalty and get them at the one, then what do they do? Situation change. They go tush push and they just go for two. But they don't go for two at the two and a half yard line always, right? But the moment you jump off sides on a field goal, they send back out the offense. Why? The situation changed. So I, I do you think Kyle wanted to, you know, actually he might have because it was the Detroit Lions, but obviously he had to kind of change his mindset in this game. Like we had to be a little more aggressive passing the ball. They were going three, four wide Brock in the shotgun pretty quickly. And maybe they would have done that no matter what, but he had no choice. It was like, you know, kind of got to pick our spots running the ball. We can't afford to just, you know, three, four yards and and just tackles moving forward when we're down double digits. I wondered if he was going to go tempo, but he didn't. Debo had a catch in the first drive of the second half where Debo catches the ball. And you can't quite tell, is Debo going like, like let me eat? Or is Debo going like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I it kind of stunned me. I'm like, oh my God, they're about to go tempo. And then they cut to the next shot and they're just huddled up. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. Let's not get crazy here. That's like uh it's like five off seasons from now, like Kyle doing a little off season project. Well, if I had Mahomes, I might go tempo, you know. Well, you're not gonna get Mahomes. Comment he staley his team out of the Super Bowl. I, it did it did cross my mind, and this is what happens when you have gut punch lunch gut punch losses, because that's what Detroit had. It's like, should they hire Ben Johnson? Now he Dan Campbell's not Sirianni, so I'm not. I wouldn't do that one here like I think the Eagles should have. But you do wonder, like, Goff's as good as he's ever been. Ben Johnson's clearly a star. Like, if you're Washington and when it's announced on Tuesday that Ben Johnson's your head coach and Adam Pease your GM, aren't you feeling pretty good? You're feeling – I think you're feeling fantastic. (laughs) You're you're feeling pretty good. The the one positive for the Super Bowl, as crazy as it is to say out loud – the Chiefs and the Packers are way more explosive than the Chiefs. The Lions right. and Packers are more explosive than the Chiefs. Who did I say? Uh, Chiefs and Packers. Yeah, um, excuse me. The, the Lions and the Packers offensively, what, what they roll out, offensive weaponry, I mean, it's not far behind. The, if, if the Niners are, have been at the top all season long, I, they're right there, especially the Lions. I mean, you're talking legit firepower. The Chiefs aren't exactly a firepower team. Well, like we just saw why you don't want to play Mahomes and Andy Reid. 
but they beat the you like will, toughness, smarts. They don't turn. Purdy can't be turning the ball over. The turnovers are yeah. not allowed. Like no, because Mahomes is not going. turning the ball over. Mahomes not turning over, but hasn't thrown a turnover in seven straight playoff games. The Ravens are so good against the run that in I do think that might be a the Ravens might have been a worse matchup for the Niners in Kansas City. Now again, Mahomes could just now Lamar could just do some crazy shit, but Lamar would might throw you the ball. Like Mahomes isn't throwing you the ball, right? I'm not. You would never ask for Mahomes, but just the fact that the Ravens run defense. I think is much better than Kansas City's. And Kansas City and Baltimore didn't even run the ball against Kansas City. No. It was weird. They had eight carries or something other than Lamar. I don't know. What do you think about that? Are, are you saying that? Because yeah. the Ravens don't really have weapons. Yeah, Zay Flowers either. or Lively. Yeah, it's, but the Chiefs do not, right? They're, they're number one wide receivers, technically like Rice now, MVS. It's, I mean, Tyreek Hill's not walking through that door. Now, Travis... Travis has a little like, you know, my back's hurting, but I'm Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan needs me. I'll be ready. Kind of vibes going. Like I, yeah. Those two guys are just, they showed up today. Did you notice their celebration? Did you watch a lot of their celebration before you flipped the Niner game? I watched like, up to actually like up to like Travis's, Travis talking. They were not like, you know, there's like, yeah, of course we won. They kind of had that vibe. I, I thought their players did, especially Patrick. Yeah. Fuck yeah, we beat the Ravens. You think Lamar Jackson is going to beat me? Me. Do you know that Patrick Mahomes, I saw Todd Monken, is going to You think John Harbaugh, who Andy's like, I love John Harbaugh. You, you guys are lucky Andy. to have him. <laughs> and I'm glad you do. She's like pointing to Taylor. It's just, I, I you, the Niners. You had a stat. You said. He, he's got as many playoff wins, Patrick Mahomes, as Peyton Manning and John Elway. He's two away from Joe Montana. Well, he's yeah, two Super Bowls away. From, oh, two wins, two wins away from tying Joe Montana's most playoff wins. He's one Super Bowl from tying Troy Aikman. Like he's one Super Bowl away from having tied Aikman for the fourth most Super Bowls among quarterbacks. And obviously, he would pass. Peyton's got two. Elway's got two. He passed them. <laughs> yep, all those guys have two. He, John, I looked up his numbers. I said it earlier in the pod, but his he's now played in seventeen playoff games, so like a season of playoff football. He's fourteen and three. 67% completion, 4,800 yards. 4,800 yards would be a top 33 single-season NFL passing, you know, like that's a top 30 NFL passing season, basically. He's 14-3 and three in the playoffs, and he's got 39 touchdowns and seven picks. Do you know what's crazy is, like, when your record's that, it's really easy to be, like, know the three losses. He lost to Tom Brady in his first year starting in the AFC Championship game that went to overtime. He lost to Burrow in that game right at home a couple years ago. And he lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl when both their tackles were out and they couldn't block and he was running for his life all game. But, like, he beats everybody. I mean, he just beat the other two best quarterbacks in the league. I think Josh Allen's better than Lamar. Like, hey, I I wouldn't. I think if you pulled 32 GMs, would you want Lamar or Josh Allen? I think it would be overwhelmingly Josh Allen. Do you agree with that? Uh, I do, actually. And I think I would, if you I ask take, Andy and Spags, that. like if you were sitting next to Andy and Spags right now on the plane as they're flying back from Baltimore, who was harder to play against? I don't even think they would hesitate to say which one. The other guys killed them. I mean, Josh has had enormous games against them in the playoffs. He did two weeks ago. He was good. And remember, he had the five-touchdown game when they lost the 13-second game. 
I wonder if this if people are gonna have the same energy this week on Lamar just shitting on that they kind of shit on Purdy and shit on Josh Allen. Doubt it, but uh, well, I mean Lamar's all like Lamar gets plenty of Lamar gets nitpicked, right? Kinda. I mean, I used to more. Then he kind of avoided it. Now this year's been like I can't believe Atlanta didn't oh, trade yeah. seven first round picks and give him seven hundred million that the Ravens just would have matched. Crazy. Well. Yeah, it's one of those two where it's like, you know, oh, he is clearly the MVP this year. Like, well, I mean, Mahomes could be the MVP, right? We're at the point. That's a good example. We're at the point now, like, there's one best player in the league, and he's widened the gap. Like, the Niners can beat Mahomes. Mahomes is clearly the best player in the NFL. And if his team is a whole, you know, wins the division, is hosting playoff games, give the fucking MVP to whoever you want. But like. There were some years when, listen, I like, I love Charles Barkley. He was never the best player in the NBA, right? Michael was, and he beat him in the in you know the NBA Finals. Like you could have great seasons, and that guy's still better than you. Especially, I think, like one thing he's proven is you just never bet against him. Which they're uh, the underdog in this game. Now, I do believe that a lot of money is going to come flowing into the Chiefs, don't you? I, I wonder if within a week that number's like even. And I think if it flips the other way, I might put money on the Niners. Wait, what'd you say but the numbers I, right now? I thought it originally opened. I thought the Niners were favored by two and a half points. Is that the number you saw? You I haven't it? looked. No, 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 I didn't look. I can look right now. Which no, that's that seems crazy to me, but yeah, same. That's the case. Um, I got Niners. Consensus one, Niners one and a half. So is what I've got down. like everywhere, but it did open it. At two yeah. and a half, yeah, yeah. Um, check out, check out this. Uh, I knew I just went to our boy. Even track. if you, I don't even think you break down the matchups, you're just like, wait, Mahomes is getting two and a half points. Here's the money. you know all the big money guys. Here's a hundred grand. Here's fifty grand. Like you just, it's just an, it's one of those auto bets. It's like, oh, t- Tesla's in the red today. Add more, right? It's just, I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of that. It's not as much. John Middlecoff betting a thousand dollars on a game. I, I think it's the money guys that treat it like venture capitalists treat stocks. Boom. Just it's an auto. <laughs> well, the way I put it on Mahomes, John, is like Joe Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. These are tier one quarterbacks, but they're not Mahomes. So either your tier list has to have a special spot for Mahomes, or you got to make those guys tier two quarterbacks, right? Like in any in any like era, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson are they, they are tier one quarterbacks in most eras. But like they're just not Mahomes. So Mahomes has to have his own little category. He just has to. He's just too. Yeah. He is a it. MVP level playoff player. Yeah, that playoff. Those playoff numbers I read to you are an that's an MVP season. Well, I think that's what was so concerning about the Niners' first half was like, I just watched greatness show up on the road, and be like pissed off for greatness. Like they were mad that. I mean, let's face it. I I, I had a lot of money on the Ravens. I think the majority of people, everyone I listen to on podcasts, how could you not? You're like, this Ravens team is just complete. They're just going to overwhelm. They're just more talented. And you knew in that first drive, you're like, oh, my God, the fucking Chiefs. Am I, I, I can't believe it. This guy had me over for Thanksgiving. I watched this guy work 25 hours a day. You don't fucking bet against the big guy. And you could. they were just dialed. They were dialed. You're like, okay, the Niners, like, just come be. It was like, what is go, what's happening here? I was, I was, and again, I didn't, you didn't need like a legendary playoff performance, but just a dial, like the boys are ready. 
And I was like, ah, this is 14 nothing. That first 14 drive nothing was and crazy. Like, first drive, they scored. They there was 13-12 tw- on, the, on the clock when they went to break. 13-12. How often do you see 13-12 after one drive in the NFL? No, I'm like, you know, opening bomb or, you know, 50-yard run. It was like six plays. I don't even know what the number of plays on the drive was, but the first there drive were, was four. There plays. were several, four plays by the Lions. Yeah, yeah, three first downs. And then their next drive was eleven plays and one third down. So they they ran what they had two drives, one third down, two touchdowns. That that was the part that was concerning. They're not even getting the third downs. Well, that's why. Well, that's why the fourth down didn't impact the first half because he didn't even get remotely close to those. Yeah. Right. He, he, I think I wrote down at halftime they were 5-7 of seven on third down. So their third down, they were so efficient. How many third downs before the game flipped were like, okay, third and 12, just get a stop, just fucking take a deep breath, and then they run like a counter run, and there's no one over there, and Gibbs gets 13 yards. You're like, how? Third and 12? Or it's like third and 16, hit fucking St. Brown across the middle. Well, they had their second drive, third and nine, blitz, Amon Ra, catch and run. Next drive, third and 10, uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown gets away from, he like sidesteps Warner, gets a first down. Then the third and 15 was the big collision with Laporta. They actually got him to punt. Uh, their fourth drive, a second and 15, Laporta gets a first down. Next drive, third and 12, Gibbs, just get it to Gibbs, first down run. Third and 18, Amon Ra, St. Brown, 23 yards. Third and six, St. Brown sideline. Um. Yeah, that was so. I I don't know what the number I just read you there was. I feel like it was. I just told you they failed on one third down, but maybe I missed one. It it, it was five to seven and a half. Okay. How about maybe uh, it was maybe it was early in the third quarter, but yeah, man, I that's wild. That's it's got to be one of the craziest Niner wins I've ever seen of, of this of this run. Is, I think it's is, no. I think it's. I think it's one of their craziest. It has to be one of their greatest non-Super Bowl wins, and it has to be one of their craziest. Wins. Is it Kyle's know. craziest win as a head coach? Well, I mean, the Week 18 game against, or the Week 17 game, whatever it was, the last, the last week of the season at the Rams when they they were going to lose. Oh yeah, yeah had yeah. to win to get in. You were there. What's his name? Left your. What's the guy? The actor? Didn't he leave? Oh yeah, uh, the Mexican dude that was in a, a gang in Desperado. Uh, yeah, yeah. I forget he was sitting name. next to you. He left. So that game's up there, isn't it? That game and the game that they beat Seattle to be the one seed in 19. Yeah, the Green Bay Road playoff win. The difference of that Seattle game, if I remember correctly, it was just a good game. Yeah. The the Rams game and this game were very similar, where you were sitting at halftime being like, I can't believe what I just witnessed. I can't believe what should I, I Should I leave the game? Can't you wouldn't, but Danny Trujillo, yeah. Danny Trujillo, yeah. Uh, or Trejo. I don't know exactly. Uh, here's a stat for you, John. I knew if I went to Josh Dubow of the Associated Press's uh, Twitter page, he'd have something good. I do I do think it stings, by the way. Once the Chiefs won, I'm like, yeah, obviously, whatever happened for the Niners, the Chiefs are going to be in your building? Well, that's... Remember for I said the Raiders. last week? Yeah, I, I, I do think oh, that stings. You thought last week which one was worse, the Chiefs or the, or the Niners? Well, the I just... Because once we realized, you, or you told me that the AFC team gets the Raiders building. I'm like, you know, they're so numb to it. And then once I watch the Chiefs, the way they won the day, I'm like, yeah, that fucking sucks. 
it'd be one thing if you just hired Harbaugh. Like, all right, we got, we, you know, we're, you know, they all, they're all happy about their Antonio Pierce hire. You, you know, know what like I mean? Mahomes and Chris Jones after practice, like cleaning their nuts in your shower and, and Travis Kelsey taking a dump in your toilets and Andy's feet up in his maid office. Like that's, I don't think you just want those guys just getting comfy in your area. The worst part of it is that you should know the chiefs don't care that it's your building. You know what I mean? Don't give a shit. Like the chiefs are not like relishing. We're in their building. They don't care. You could have put them at any building. Be, the chiefs will have to be like, them. Hey, nice building. Good job, guys. 100%. Good job, Mark. Uh, great uh, weight room, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate, appreciate the hospitality, guys. Yeah, awesome little shake room you got there. Uh, how about this stat, John? QB since 91 with at least two 20-yard runs in a playoff game. Here's the list. Brock, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Kaepernick, 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 Culpepper, McNabb. <laughs> so Brock has broken the color barrier on this list. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's pretty crazy list to join, huh? That's pretty crazy list to join. I don't think Culpepper felt like got fat when he got older, but the other th- four guys. I honestly were, would not have guessed Culpepper on that list. That's no. for damn sure. It had to be some like blown coverages. A guy f- fell in one of the runs. How old was Culpepper? You, you'd say McNabb. I mean. One of the great athletes of all time. He started on the basketball team at Syracuse, as well as a starting quarterback. Like it's that's got to be a short list, right? He got drafted two. I mean, he's just an all-time athlete. Lamar, I mean, probably just overall resume the best runner of all time. And you would say Kaepernick was the fastest straight line runner in the history of the league, just straight line. I mean, it's and any position or running. quarterback, uh, quarterback. Yeah, like straight line gets it gets. I feel like he's the fastest, his play speed, and Brock Purdy. He had such long strides, too, that he was it felt, so felt the fastest. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it was just the Packers' defense was terrible, so no one was even around. No, I think part of it, his strides were so long that he was he galloped. like He looked, he looked like a, a thoroughbred horse. Cole Pepper, people said he he could he was a good athlete before he got fat. It's true, like he was. I I never viewed him as like a uh, average athlete, big arm guy. I just I didn't view him as like a scramble guy. But I it, honestly, it's so far removed. I don't really. I just remember him throwing it really far to Randy Moss. Yeah, uh, rushing. Uh, I mean, yeah. How does he not, not it, find it, these stats, huh? How does he find these stats? Oh, I, you can filter. You know, through some of these advanced stat packages that people have, um, he early in his career he he had a year where he ran a hundred times, but as he, I don't know, did he suffer an injury? Like halfway through his career, he went from like running the ball. The first half of his career, he was running like 70, 80, 90 times a year, and then at age twenty eight, it became twenty ten, twenty four, ten less than once a, you know, less than twice a game. So the 04 year was the last year that he did it. But man, I mean, he led the league in passing that year in 4,700 yards. Just checking uh, my phone. I've gotten so many texts of memes and tweets of like uh, Dan Campbell drawing an 18 in blackjack. Hit me. I mean, just a lot. So of Campbell, Campbell's getting a lot of criticism. 
he I think he's going to get destroyed. I mean, I before you came on, I was I said what I said. You said what you said. I just was I haven't really checked on the streets to see if uh, I, I, I think some, the, some of the nerdier guys uh, feels like the ringers got a crew of them. Uh, I, I think there's a crew of seven, eight guys. The one dude for ESPN, forget his name, never read a shit, but I know he's like a numbers nerd. I, I think he's going to have like that's going to be a zag tomorrow. Because I think every former player You're saying they're going to zag on Campbell. They're going to say he, he made a mistake or they're going to defend I, him. They're, they're going to support him because it's oh. going to be universal. Every process, former process player, oriented, Jim. every former player is going to lose their shit. Every platform they got. Right. And they're going to be some of the nerds that are going to go to bat for him. And you'll be by Wednesday. There'll be some back and forth Twitter arguments of like former player X that's, you know, borderline Hall of Famer with this other guy with double the amount of Twitter followers that's just screaming about process throwing numbers. I, I can see that yeah. coming from my who's, who's the player going to be? It's going to be like uh, – uh, It's like the Kendrick Perkins of the NFL. Right. Uh, I was going to say Marshall Falk, but I don't think he's – is he doing stuff anymore? Yeah, I, I think if – see, the problem that crew would be – most of them are like probably not involved in Twitter enough, like the Warren Saps, the Marshall Falks. I mean, the guy that the guys that would talk so much would say things that were like, I can't probably best they're not. Like the version of if like fucking Gary Payton or Carl Malone had it like things they would say. Like Kevin Garnett. Like sometimes I get his blurbs from like when he's on the Showtime show. It's like, yeah, he probably shouldn't tweet out every thought he's got. But like I I I that I want to hear from them. Like, I don't want to hear the fake stuff, but those types couldn't even fathom what happened today, I think. Like, if you played football in the 90s, like for the Parcells, for the Holmgrens, and just fundamentally how hard it is, how hard the sport is, how difficult it is to win games in the regular season, how many guys that, like, maybe I had a nine-year career and I got to the playoffs twice, and looking back, like, I got there in my second year, I thought it was always going to be that easy. I remember watching the Barry Sanders documentary. They got to like the NFC championship game early on in his career. And then they sucked the majority of it after that. And in that documentary, he's like, God, you realize later on how difficult it is. And then you get some guys like Charvarius that can't even relate. But I, I think the majority of the NFL is not Charvarius Ward. They don't get to go to a lot of championship and, and uh, you know, Super Bowl level games. So when you get in that position and then you have a chance to win, which you get beat, you get beat. Like the Ravens, they, they got beat today. Now you can nitpick Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson, but like they got, they got worked. But I, I think it's sometimes easier that way. Like we should game plan should have been different, whatever you lose, you lose. You got beat better team. You know, as it ages, it'll be fine. I don't think the lions thing will age. Well, for them, because they may not be back. Cause you're saying that they may not be back again. This might've been their some, shot. And, and it's something like ultimately today, let's say Kyle got his ass kicked. Let's say they would end up winning 48 to 17. And it was like, <laughs> but just an ass kicking. He's not the first or last coach to get his ass kicked. I mean, it would have sucked, but like people got their ass kicked before. Andy yeah. Reid's lost a lot of these games. Andy Reid's blown some playoff games. Like nothing's going to happen. Now they might have been a bigger picture. Like are they going to get another quarterback? Or you know, there would have been some other conversation. When you have a moment, it's hard to shake those moments. Somehow Dan Quinn gave the twenty-eight-three moment to Kyle. <laughs> you know, but it is his moment. It should be. But that 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 franchise holds it, and Kyle holds it. He got absolved. But it was always hard. You know, Pete held that Belichick moment. Like, there were just moments. But Pete was already successful. Like, this is going to be one of those next year of Dan Campbell, if they go 9-8 and eight and they miss the seventh seed, 
it can start snowballing on you. Because most fans are not like reading the fucking analytical book of the ESPN's guy, right? They're just going, why didn't we do that? On their couch. They'd have watched every Lions game for 20 years. How, how do we blow this moment? That, that's what 90% of the Niners fan. Yeah. Kyle never yeah. would do that. So it's 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 hard to even use him as an example because that's not how he would blow the game. I would say this, if in down two, let's say, and you know he did something with Moody, it could be something like, how did you keep rolling him out there? How did you how did you go down? Oh right, like a like a fourth and two, or and he kicks, right? Yeah, fourth like, and like, two down, fourth and two tie game, he kicks. And miss even, it and the other or even what about down one, you know? Yeah. Or down two, or down yeah. three. Like in a spot where you can either take the lead or feel like Kyle, you gotta you cannot lean on this guy after he'd already missed a field goal or you're something like that. Like Kyle's situation would be a lot different than Dan's. But when you get into a situation, like even McCarthy, in a weird way, it's actually easier to shake just getting fucking bludgeoned than it is like, can you believe that McCarthy called that play? you know, down four points on the two yard line with one, three seconds left or, you know, something like you or just mismanage the timeouts it. or whatever. Yeah. Cause even at the end of the game, like I was like, Dan Campbell's got all three timeouts. <laughs> well, that's where like with the Niners it, for a second, it looked like the Niners had wasted a timeout. You're like, God, are they going to need that timeout? They didn't get the play in in time, but if they end up scoring a touchdown. Didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, even at the end of the game, it was weird. They're up 10. You start, you're doing your head. You're like, well, if they get a touchdown here, Onside kicks are just so hard. They, they just really are. I, I, that's a weird position. I never have faith that the onside kick's going to work. Whether I'm rooting for the team, against the team, I, I, I just have utmost confidence that the onside kick is either going to go out of bounds or land in the other player's hand. And even when it does get crazy, like the Lions, it's it's always, I would feel like 90% of the time, the guy's touching it without going 10 yards. That happens a lot. Because ideally, you got to hit it. I mean, it's... How many onside kicks have we ever seen truly in big spots happen? It's a very, very small number. Yeah. I think, did Jay Feely say, I think it's like 6% recovery or something on onside kicks, which actually feels high. I feel, I, I would have guessed like two. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It was like ball game. Everyone's celebrating. And then the Lions, like, they're moving the ball. And they well, didn't have do, do you think if he would have scored a touchdown, let's say with a minute left, a minute left, and he had all three timeouts, is he kicking it deep or is he still going the onside kick? Um, I think he's, that's a good question. I don't know. I think he might onside kick it anyway. The problem, I wonder what the play is there analytically. Like, do you kick the field goal with a minute and a half or something? No, I, I'm saying like, you if you got a minute left, you got three timeouts. You're going to have to get a stop no matter what to get the ball back, right? Aren't you better off playing for that spot if the percentage is so tiny on onside kick and maybe getting the ball at like the 40 yard line? I think you, I like Kyle would kick it in that spot. I actually think kicking is the right way because if you're playing, the whole point is to try to get the ball back. Wouldn't you rather get the ball back potentially closer to midfield than closer to the end zone? Because it'll be the same amount of time. You got, right. And you got, and you got no timeouts either way. And if you've got a minute, then you're probably first down, was it four, four seconds, right? 54, go, go 55. Let's just say five. I don't think it's five, but 55, 50, 45, punt, you get the ball. With thirty, 
but you're, all, you're only down a, if you score a touchdown, you're only down a field goal. So you only yeah. So you, you get right. the ball back forty seconds, maybe at your own thirty. I, I think the mo- the move would be to kick it deep because yeah. you gotta get stopped no matter what. Yeah, they seem to think like that's what he was gonna do until they ran the ball and then had to use the timeout. So. I think they got they got a little greedy. They thought they could hit the runs because they were all working, and then somehow so Steve did definitely did. Something in the second half, guys were a little more filling in the gap, felt like. Uh, I, I, the B12 shots, something. Hargrave was a little better in the second half. Yeah. They tackled better in the second half. It felt like their safety angles <laughs> were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> well, the first, did you see the Jair Brown on the first Gibbs touchdown run? Was that Gibbs touchdown run? The first drive? Yeah, we kind of overruns it. Yeah. Well, I think Jair Brown has one lane. Ambry Thomas, or some, there was another DB on the other side. I wasn't that also ran. run, but there was one of those big runs where both the DBs, the backside corner and the safety, were both on the other side of them. It's like there were moments. Luckily, the Chiefs don't really play like that. Like those guys, especially Gibbs, feel so fast and being able to cut. He really has a chance to be a pretty special player. I mean, he's he's pretty awesome. Yeah. He, if you're a big video game Madden guy, I'd, I'd play with the Lions a lot. But I, the Chiefs are much more of a physical pound it with Pacheco. The Niners are susceptible to kind of that outside pitches and zone runs that the Packers and the Lions do. That It's not really the Chiefs thing. But what do you think Andy will implement over the next couple of weeks? Those plays, like they're going to run pitches to Pacheco and Clyde next. They, how would they not? Those plays are going to be in the playbook. <laughs> they've been because they've been working now for a while, right? They, I just been, don't think. Yeah, it was I, kind of consistent. Part of like those two guys, the Lions have, and the guy the Packers have, like there's just supremely talented running backs. Like, li- Clyde yeah. is not. I don't think Clyde's ter- tearing you up. Uh, Pacheco could, you know, Pacheco, but but even Pacheco, like he's not the physicality of Montgomery, and he's fast, but he's not quite the speed of Gibbs, probably, right? I think Pacheco's pretty physical. I, I just think they will do ultimately whether you got – I mean, there's a difference between a touchdown and a even if it's just a seven-yard run, it's going to work, right? Let's say yeah. you can't bust you know, 15-yard runs, but they're six. They're still effective. Like the 49ers got to have to find a way to be like, stop some runs. Like if they cannot stop the run, they will lose the Super Bowl. Like, I believe that. Like, you you well, can't get shredded against Mums. Fuck yeah, he's been sticking to the run with this guy. They are kind of different this year. They were last year down the stretch. That's my thing. Like you got to be more. You got to find a way over these next two weeks to just be more effective. Doesn't mean you can't give up a run, but it can't be every single play. Like a guy gaining a minimum five yards. Yeah, well, you're not. You will lose to this team. Doing the Lions will not let you back in the game the way that, but the Chiefs will not let you back in the game the way the Lions did. Mahomes will keep scoring too. Um, yeah, Gibbs feels like what. Reggie Bush, like people, like the best case Reggie, like what that was going to be. But I feel like, like Reggie would have been sweet now. Reggie was actually kind of turned out to be kind of sweet as it was. But been really good in this modern day. Feels like Gibbs is faster than him, though, don't you think? I felt like Reggie in college was fastest guy I'd ever seen, but this yeah. version of Gibbs, yeah. Gibbs is like, I don't know if you saw what Wilk said. Wilk said like before, like this week, he's like, you know, Gibbs, thing about Gibbs is it says he's fourth three on paper and he's fourth three on tape. And he looked at today. He's really good. 
the one thing I guess for the Lions going forward, like they do have good players, but if you lose that offensive coordinator, it's how how do you how do you feel good about your next offensive coordinator? <laughs> you know, even if you do, it's it's just going to be a downgrade. That, that guy feels like he's pretty special, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, their play caller is pretty good. Yeah. I... <laughs> Who do they hire? They have somebody internal. I don't know. If I, I'm, a, you know, him and Adam, Washington could be interesting quick, especially if they hit on a quarterback. Uh, Iceman says I've lost count of my Tito's and sodas tonight. Love you guys. Thank you. I probably should have had a drink. Good luck at work tomorrow. <laughs> I kind of thought I was gonna have a heart attack in the first half, bro. I, I just couldn't calm down. I <laughs> say. Did he right. walks around outside and it just did wouldn't. you want you a halftime walk? I mean, like outside in the backyard, a couple you, laps. You got some air at halftime. Yeah. I, I I was getting air a lot during the first half, you know, commercial breaks and stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, four nights going to the Super Bowl. Just like they drew it up. Just like they drew it up. All right, everybody. Anything else to add, John? Oh, just two hours, 45 minutes. For who? But you did you didn't you did 90 minutes before you joined, right? Yeah. Did you do Colin and three and out before you jumped on? Yeah. Because I got my guy the guys are in Washington and New York. That's a see, that's a championship effort. So good work. Content. Did they somebody said did they talk about third down run? I'm not sure what that exactly means. And I don't know. I think I feel like we talked about every play of this game. But uh there'll be plenty of time to talk. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Later. Peace. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.